and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Proud to be coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Uh, so thankful for your belief and your trust in us as we walk through this minefield of current events together, as we navigate through the uh, so-called fake news. You know, um, the, uh, the, the the fake news narrative is getting old, isn't it? The accusations of false news as it relates to the independent media getting old. The accusations of uh, fraudulent news getting old. The accusations that uh, you could only get your news from certain sources getting old. Well, we're here to we're here to change that, and we're here to uh, bring you the real news, the news behind the headlines, the news that you need to know. Uh, I have a very important announcement for you. Of course, of course, you know, by way of introduction for those new to the program, and we're picking up new listeners all of the time. Uh, we do broadcast weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the Global Star Radio Network, also on BTR, uh, Blog Talk Radio, as well as YouTube Live. But Global Star Radio Network, what a great, uh, what a great place to be. And, uh, they, they really, we're very proud to be a part of the network, uh, Global Star Radio Network. Now, we've got two separate websites, Hagman Report, dot com. That's HagmanReport.com. Of course, you got to go there for news information analysis. And, of course, Hagman and Hagman.com for show information. Lady of the Studio Dog is here with me right by uh, right by my desk. Uh, I assume uh, with Greg Jackson, uh, Gunner is with Greg at some point or uh, within arm's reach, I'm, I'm sure. Greg's going to be coming on here shortly. I have an announcement to make um, as we speak right now. Uh, Maricopa County, Sheriff Gerard Pio and uh, Mike Zulo are giving a press conference about the legitimacy or lack thereof of the federal document that was posted to whitehouse.gov website. Now, please understand what I'm saying. I'm not being very careful with my words. The federal document that purports to be the official certified, authenticated, long-form certificate of live birth of Barack Hussein Obama that was posted to the White House website a couple of years ago. The news conference is being held right now, the final one by Sheriff Joe Arpaio and Mike Zulo. We are going to have Mike Zulo and Carl Gallops on tomorrow, tomorrow night's program. I would like everyone to please let everyone know at 8 o'clock Eastern Time tomorrow, uh, Mike Zulo and Carl Gallus will be on to talk about exactly what they're talking about today. Now, I just got out of my office and was watching the live news conference. They showed a video. The bottom line is this. Uh, it's a fraudulent document. End of story. The document, the certificate of live birth is a fraudulent document. Um, the source document in this, the source document used for that 
for Obama's document has been identified. What that means, I mean, I mean there's a lot. I, 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 I'm just going to wait for Mike Zulo to. We're going to wait for Mike Zulo to explain this, but the source document for Barack Hussein Obama's document that appears on the WhiteHouse.gov website has been identified. So it belonged to another party. Well, yeah. And it was then used as the template to create. In part, yes. Okay. It, it's, it's kind of a, it, you're, yeah, you're right. It, it, but it's a little bit more convoluted than that. And it's one, uh, it, the source document belongs to Anni, the woman, the, uh, uh, Anni, uh, who Jerome Corsi had met with and spoken to. Now, she is not, and let me, let me repeat this, she is not a suspect. Everyone clear on that, right? She's not a suspect. Un, this, Ani is not a suspect. However, she was identified by Mike Zulo as an investigative lead. Channel 15 out of Arizona is running with this. ABC News is running with, running this live as we speak. You um, won't find it on NBC or, or CBS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the fact of the matter is, um, this is important news. And, and you might think this is old news. Who cares? What difference does it make? Ah. Yeah. Uh, whether it was from a video or from this guy's out taking a walk, what difference is it? I can't do her voice. So anyway, no, it makes a lot of difference because there is intent here and there is, uh, there's a lot of criminality. So again, Friday, December 16th, 2016, Mike Zillow, Carl Gallops, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, this program to dig further, provide further information into the conference he's giving now live. That's ABC is carrying it. ABC Channel 15 out of Arizona is carrying it. But uh, through a meticulous investigation, it was, and after a team of forensic investigators had uh, gone through this, there's information that was disclosed today that was not disclosed prior. <clears throat> we could not, there are some things we had that we could not say. There are nine points of verified forgery on this document. It is not a valid document. Not that that should come as a surprise to anyone. Yeah. But it's interesting because disclosed in this by a team of forensic investigators, including a team out of Italy and out of Europe, a source document from uh, the Ani the uh the the birth certificate does cast a little bit of a different complexion on this more on that tomorrow night portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by omaha steaks omahasteaks.com that's right omahasteaks.com gets folks if you haven't done so already go to omahasteaks.com hh in the search bar order up and just have at it omahasteaks.com, HH in the search bar. More on that later. With us now is Greg Jackson. I'm going to toss it to Joe. I just want everyone to remember, tomorrow night, Mike Zillow, Carl Gallup's here. More on that. And watch also, folks, if I can, if the people can keep me upright and breathing, I'm going to be uh, providing uh, some inside baseball information on in advance of the interview tomorrow. Uh, 
it's hopefully uh, I'm, I'm going to send it to Steve Quayle and also it'll be on I believe Canada Free Press and also on HagmanReport.com. So anyway, Joe Matosta, so, yeah, keep your eyes open on Hagman Report for that uh, investigative piece, folks. Uh, joined with us now is author of Forty Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, Greg Jackson. And uh, it's been a while since we've had Greg on, or it seems like it's been a while. And Greg's going to come on tonight, and we're going to talk about a number of issues. Um, the pro- post-Trump election, what we see going on in our political world as far as uh, this desperate attempt by the left to try to delegitimize Trump's election, and uh, you know, from the recount to the intelligence uh, briefing that they're all waiting on to see if hacking from Russia was involved in the election to the disruption of Inauguration Day. So with that, Greg, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, Greg. Where's well, Gunner? Thank, thanks for having me. Can, can you guys see me okay? We can hear you fine. Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you all right. It's a little okay. muffled. Um, I'm make sure. Uh, if you, uh, a little muffled? There you go. If you if you don't touch it, 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 it sounds good. So don't touch it. Back, sl- <laughs> Drop it okay. and back slowly away from it. Okay, because this is our first Skype interview, guys. It is, right? yeah. It is. Okay, okay. Um, hey, by the way, if, if, if Eric could turn down, uh, Doug, your microphone a little bit, it's a little loud in, in my ears. Uh, Joe's ears is just fine. But regardless, hey, guys, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, boy, what a show tomorrow night's going to be with Mike Zulo. And uh, our good friend Pastor Gallup, that is going to be phenomenal. Uh, was that your daughter? Yeah, that was Jackie. Uh, <laughs> she's just looking in okay, on you. Okay, she's coming to say hi. <laughs> just tell them, hey, Jackie, good to see you. Haven't seen you since Dallas. But uh, it'll be interesting to hear that. Now, we've known for how many years, Doug and Joe, that uh, we've had an imposter in the White House that uh, a man by the name of Barry Satoro with no credentials, uh, nobody even knows anything about the guy, who he dated in high school or, you know, uh, what where his favorite pizza place was. And yet he goes by the name of Barack Obama, which, again, and he, and he has a Social Security number of a... Uh, a dead man in Connecticut. Now I can't see you guys for whatever reason. Yeah, can you, can we you turn still hear the, me though, guys? We're good. Yeah. Okay. We we turn the bandwidth, uh, the video off on our end to save on bandwidth and make sure that okay. the Skype comes through okay. uh, as clear okay, as possible. Okay, perfect. No, no, no worries. As long as as long as you can hear me, okay. Yeah. Uh, but so I guess there. I mean, it, it's really sad, isn't it, guys? That uh, Mike Zulo and 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 Sheriff Joe Arpaio have to go to these lengths and Pastor Gallops to basically expose what we've known. It, it's been so obvious for so long, uh, you know, with the with the forged document that the White House uh, put on their website a couple of years back. And uh, but at, at any rate, it'll be exciting to hear what they say. What will be more interesting to me, guys, is what will the new Trump administration be sworn into office, things go well, uh, what will his attorney general do? I mean, what will the Trump administration do with that information? And what do you guys think? Well, 
you know, there's a, there's a number of possibilities. Um, we see Trump picking his cabinet and the blowback that he is getting from the political left, from the picking of the military generals. Uh, some say he's setting up some kind of totalitarian uh, government where uh, the military is going to be in charge. And then you have people like Rex Tillerman, who's the CEO of ExxonMobil, being picked as the Secretary of State. And um, it seems like at every turn there is, I mean, since the primary, his nomination after the primaries till now with his cabinet picks, there is pushback at every turn. And one of the big things I think we need to watch is uh, we saw Time Magazine call for all Hillary Clinton voters, uh, 65 million of them, to not pay taxes. We've seen uh, Michael Moore and other organizations come out and say disrupt the Trump the Trump nomination uh, at the inauguration, and he is facing uh, opposition like no other president in history that I can remember. Yeah, but to get back to your question, and, though, I think to circle back around to to what Greg asked is, you know, what will Trump do with respect to right. Obama? I think that was your question, right? Yeah, I'm just. I, and, and yeah, I, I'm you know, not sure. Is he really going to drain the swamp and, and 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 prosecute, investigate, and prosecute? And because I mean, if this indeed, if there's substantiated evidence that we have an imposter that's been inhabiting the White House for eight years, uh, basically, um, you know, signing into law as a usurper uh, legislation, whether it's Obamacare or any other laws or executive orders that that he's put his name to. Uh, you know, the, the, the question is, you know, what, what needs to be done? I mean, it, to me, that's an act of treason. I mean, that's a clear-cut act of treason, and he should be prosecuted to the fullest extent, and, uh, yeah. and, and he, should, he should go to jail. And, and, and what was that? What we're seeing with the, the opposition to Trump, uh, everything that's being thrown at him and, and all the people that are, are coming after him, I believe he is just trying to get inaugurated uh you know without any kind of of hassle without any incident and i believe that once he is in the office of president no longer president elect trump but president trump then i believe we will start to see uh some of his plans to walk back obama policies and to further uh, look into the crimes of of hillary clinton Yeah, I mean that that could be the case, and of course you guys have done a great job over the uh, um, past couple of of weeks talking about this, most notably with Paul McGuire the other night. And I thought Paul did a phenomenal job presenting the big picture and really talking. And that's one of the things that really was on my heart that I want to talk about with you guys tonight in regards to Trump, uh, in, in in regards to his significance, and not really necessarily getting into the, the minutiae of, you know, this can't, this administrative pick for this slot and, and the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, all of the, the, the positive points and negative points about all the individual picks for his administrative cabinet level picks. But more in terms of the big picture, um, what Paul McGuire, if for anybody listening, I think it was Tuesday night, Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but if you didn't listen to Tuesday Night's show, I highly advise listening to the last two hours, I believe, with Paul McGuire, because it really gives a great big-picture overview from a biblical, spiritual perspective in terms of where we are right now and 
how Christians are really supposed to uh, discern the times and act in the times in which we're living. And I thought it was a very balanced, uh, very incisive, and, and, and very cogent analysis. And, and I wanted to provide a little surround sound tonight because, you know, Doug, your guess is as good as mine and, and Joe as, as to how, you know, what is Trump going to do if, if and when he, he takes office? And I, and I do think that there are legitimate questions in regards to the type of rhetoric that we're hearing right now about killing Trump and, uh, you know, by all means necessary, ensuring that he doesn't, uh, you know, take the, take the White House and isn't sworn in. And, I think when you, when you, when you consider the big picture, isn't it revealing, at least it is to me, that really, regardless of, of what Trump is going to do, and I don't know, I'm not Nostradamus, I don't have a crystal ball, only God knows, but he did allow him, because God says in, in you know, in the book of Romans says that God allows, he, he handpicks, he allows our leaders. There's nothing that, that gets by, uh, the God of the Bible. And so we know that God has allowed Donald Trump to become president. And just like he allowed Barack Obama to become president, uh, and I believe, for different reasons, I believe that in many ways we had, had become an abomination in the eyes of the Lord, and he literally gave us over and made us an abomination. And in spite of the people who say that we're being given over, and this is what Paul McGuire was talking about, that there's no hope for America, I believe that we can't say that because we're not God, and we can't play God, and we have to leave, leave room for grace. And even even though it looks like, you know, essentially we're too far gone uh, for any sort of reformation and revival and recovery in this nation, I believe that um, we, 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 we're, we get in dangerous waters when we attempt to play God. And I think that you guys would agree. We always have to leave room for his grace and for his mercy. And... I think with Trump, really, it's really interesting, isn't it, guys? Because I think Trump is really revealing uh, the hearts and, and motivations and, and, and of, of Americans in general. I mean, we're seeing divisiveness in a, at a level that we've never seen in this country, that I've never seen. I think you guys would agree, within families and, and, and friends and in business and people choosing sides, and, and, and the rhetoric is, is, is it was so fired up in the run-up to the election I've never really seen anything like it. And I believe that God really has used Trump as a John Robertson, whom I was talking to earlier today, as used this analogy, and I agree with it. He, Trump is like God's barometer. He, he, and, and he is in a lot of ways. He's, he's, uh, he's really showing a lot of people's motivations, their hearts, what's really inside them is coming out. And in the Bible, we see that, that, that there were two sects of religious people that, that despised Jesus. And they both teamed up against him. Now, they both believed, had very tenet, very tenets of belief. You had the Pharisees on one side. The Pharisees, of course, in Jesus' day, uh, were very religious. And they believed in the resurrection. And they were uh, very legalistic in their uh, uh, religious practices. Uh, of, of the observant Jewish sect, conservative sect. And then there was the Sadducees, where they didn't believe in the resurrection. I equate them, or would equate them, to the more liberal uh, left, uh, uh, maybe even re religious teachers of our day, or even those who don't even uh, uh, profess to be Christians, um, but that still are religious in a lot of sense, and very legalistic. 
Um, and so really, I think you see, don't you, the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming against, I mean, the viciousness of those on the right, the never Trumpers, the people who said there's no way, Trump's not pure enough, he's too vulgar for me, there's no way I could ever support him. And, you know, these are even friends of ours who were really adamantly opposed and accused many of us of, of committing heresy by even talking about voting for Trump. And then you see on the other side, on the liberal left, those are the people who are going to the protests right now, uh, you know, the progressive communist left, and and they're the ones who are making the death threats. They're the ones that are, are going apoplectic right now, the Michael Moores of the world, who are basically saying, we need to pull out all the stops and stop this person. And they're talking, and, and it's really, guys, if you think about it, it's a spirit of insanity. It's a spirit of, of lawlessness and anger and deceit and violence that we're seeing. It's the very opposite of the fruit of the spirit. And, you know, when I was thinking about it today, I was thinking, wow, God is really revealing the hearts and the minds of many people in this country. And the, the, the you know, we could, we could maybe hide before, uh, but there's no hiding right now. And I think that this is probably a good thing. But there's one, there's one thing that really the Lord has, has laid on my heart, which is that I think the devil would like nothing more than for Christians to really hate those on the left. Those that are making these vile, spewing the, the, the vileness and the death threats. Now, I'm not endorsing them by any, by any stretch of the imagination, gentlemen, but I do believe that, that, that we have a tremendous opportunity to extend grace and mercy, uh, and to pray for those who are in it, who are, they're just deceived. Those who, and, and I believe the reason that they are deceived is that many of them don't uh, have spiritual eyes to discern the times. They they don't have the spiritual eyes to discern the uh, really what's taking place. And if I think back before I was saved, I was like many of those people, guys, and I think many of your listeners would probably agree with me that many of them are just deceived. And their religion, those on the left, their religion is their politics. That's yeah. why they're... Do you guys agree? I mean, their religion Absolutely. is politics. Absolutely. And what, do you, and what do you guys think? During during this uh, election cycle, before the the general election, um, I got to you know there was a point where you see the Hillary signs and the uh, meet people here and there who are voting for Hillary Clinton, and you know that made me really mad. It was like, how can you not see what's going on? Then I got to a point where I understood that I. Uh, needed to to let that anger go to let that hostility and negative emotion go because just was, as you said they are they were deceived uh who in their right mind would vote for a person who advocates the murder of babies and who i mean just the laundry list of of crimes and and uh fraud and corruption that's associated with Hillary Clinton there's no way uh, except if they're in bed with the the Clintons that people regular people would vote for her knowing the level of uh, evil that she's involved in. Oh, so oh yes, there would, though, Joe. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm going to pile, I'm not pile on, but just add on to what you're saying. What I have seen in the, uh, forums, for example, one of the, um, one of the forums that embraces the progressive element of society, Democratic Underground, which is a political forum, and it's, it's a sewage pit of, of humanity, in my view. The anger there, the seething anger. Um, not just of embracing the cult of death, but refusing to acknowledge it 
ascribing it to Trump and then maintaining that anger. I've, I've, you know, so what you're saying is they're deluded. I'm saying, I'm not so sure. I think that, I think that it's not really a delusion as much as it is an agenda. And, um, I think it's a bit of both. Okay. And and at least for the people who are deceived, one thing that, uh, the Lord put in my mind is that these people need prayer. And, uh, that's about the only thing that, that, that we could do for them, that I could do for them, is pray that their eyes are opened. Now, at that point, if their eyes are opened and they still choose to, to support the Clinton and the Clinton machine, uh, then there's, you know, the, that's an issue that they're gonna have to deal with, uh, uh pertain, pertaining to the Lord themselves, and, and many of them don't believe in the Lord. But, um, you know, for those who are gen, gen, genuinely deceived, uh, you know, prayer can help. But then there are those who don't want to know the truth. Then there are those who are embrace evil and the evil that the Clintons bring. And we still have to pray for them as much as we might not want to. But um, it's just very sad to see so many people that either don't understand or embrace the evil that she brings. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you guys. And, and Doug, to answer your question, I'm glad you bring it up because it's an, impor- an important distinction that there deserves some some uh, discussion, which is that there are nuances of, of people on all sides of the, of the political spectrum. We can't paint with too broad of a brush. And for those on the left, there are people who are just totally given over, who are uh, their hearts are so hardened and they've rejected the truth. And they are actively participating in deceiving others. And then there are those who are maybe even just remotely involved in politics. They don't know the issues as deeply. And they've just been deceived because they believed a bunch of lies. Uh, and, 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 and it's through no, not necessarily any fault of their own. And I think those are the people that we really need to be patient with and pray for. Um, but but I, I think you're right, and I know that I hear the music in the background. Maybe when we pick it up, we can continue the uh, the conversation. At least I think I hear the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hear the music. We're going to the break, folks. You're listening to Greg Jackson, G R E jamming, G R E G G Jackson dot com. His book, Forty Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. He'll be with us into to the next segment, and we will continue where we left off. Stay with us. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, Coming back with Greg Jackson, our guest, Greg Jackson. Uh, Greg, you're going to have to hit that. Uh, make sure your video is on there. Hit that little, uh, hit that little video icon there to make sure your video is on. There, make sure there's no line through that video icon. Uh, before we get back to Greg, I want to mention that today is the last day for guaranteed arrival by Christmas for Greenovative. Now, folks. You you never want to be without charged batteries again, and you never can. I mean, this the G Mag Power Cell. You will never be without 
uncharged batteries again. Folks, when planning for a disaster, a must-have is a good supply of batteries. And you know, when you, when you buy batteries from the store, you put them on the shelf, they slowly go dead. Or you leave that flashlight on, whatever. Suddenly you find yourself with no batteries. Well, we've got the solution. It's called the GMAG Power Cell. It's by Greenovative. It's a small company that makes this. They're, uh, it's a fantastic product. It's the neatest product I've ever seen, really. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a must have for all preppers. Okay, so go to greenovative.com, that's greenovative.com, and, uh, or go to hagmanreport.com and click onto greenovative and get yourself a GMAG power cell. It weighs only 8 ounces, makes power simply by adding salt and water to the unit. It's EMP safe, it's got an indefinite shelf life. It can charge an unlimited number of batteries and it's made in the USA. So whether whether a natural or man-made disaster strikes and you need power, you've got it. All you need to do is add a little bit of salt and a little bit of water. There you have it. And, again, tonight at midnight is the last day that they can guarantee that these units will arrive, or if you buy a unit, it will arrive by Christmas. So, folks, get your unit from Greenovative today. Today. Go to greenovative.com and... uh purchase your unit or go to hagmanreport.com and click on the link to Greenovative, but do it today. Then make sure you've got that special gift for that person in your life for Christmas. Greenovative.com uh, and of course make sure make sure you tell them Hagman and the Hagman Report sent you. And by the way, 15% off for Hagman listeners of your entire purchase between now and Christmas. And, and again, this is the neatest thing I've ever seen this uh, this uh, battery charger. It's it's fantastic. So, greenovative.com, 15% off, but order today for a guaranteed arrival by Christmas. We're talking with Greg Jackson from gregjackson.com, author of 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. Before the break, we were talking about Trump, and uh, one of the opening questions this segment, Greg, is what do you think should be one of or some of the first actions Trump takes as president? Do we lose Greg? Calling Greg. <laughs> Let's see here. We're working out. Yeah, there we there go. There we go. Now we can. Okay. And you guys aren't even loud. Now, how's that? Sounds great. Okay. Now, but we can't see. I don't know if your if your uh, camera's turned off there, Greg. But uh, nonetheless, we'll just keep no, going through. My 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 camera's turned on. There we go. There, there we go. Hey guys. Hi, audience. There we go. So take it away, uh, Greg. Okay, yeah. Um, hey, sorry about that. First time on Skype, so uh, or at least with you guys, so working out the kinks. But um, what I was saying earlier is that, um, and, and I think that you guys would, would agree that, I mean, we're living in, in, you know, times that, you know, in terms of the, the dissension, and the vitriol, and it's it's only going to heighten. And I think the devil would like nothing more than for Christians to live in the flesh and to fight in the flesh. But the Bible tells us, and we know that we wage not against the the uh, the, the the flesh, but against the powers and the principalities and the heavens above. And that that's why being girded up and suited up in our spiritual 
uh, armor is, is so important to fight these battles. And the devil wants us to get in the mud. The devil wants us to hate our enemies. But God tells us that we're to love our enemies. And that doesn't mean that we endorse what they do. It means that I believe that we bless those who curse us, the Bible says, and it will be like heaping burning coals on their head. And I believe that that's how we as, as Christians are to live. I mean, we know what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, that, that men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless. There's a whole host of adjectives, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, uh, having the appearance of godliness, but denying, but denying its power. Guys, that, those are the days in which we're living, and it's on the increase. And we also know that those who are, are called, those who are, uh, Paul says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says that um, indeed all who desire to live a, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if you're if, if if you're a Christian, be encouraged if you're being persecuted, because it's only going to increase. But the book of James tells us to consider it pure joys, pure joy when we face these trials and these tribulations. And I believe that this is what an amazing opportunity, guys. And I believe that, 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 that Donald Trump's presidency, his election, that God has given us a respite. He has given us a temporary, a, a breather, a chance to, uh, and, and I think that we should be grateful. Is Donald Trump perfect? No. Or do I agree with, you know, all of his, 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 his cabinet picks? No. But I believe that's a secondary issue. What I do believe is that we don't have a demon-possessed witch who is apparently involved in child sacrifice and who likes to uh, you drink human blood with her uh, or, uh, lech of a husband back in the East Wing. And I believe that we should be on our knees and very, very thankful that we have time uh, and that the that, we, that Christians at least have a friend or appears to have a friend in the White House. And so I believe, as Paul McGuire was saying a couple of, of days ago, that we should be thankful and that we should continue to pray and fast, and that we should pray not only for our for our nation, but that we should pray for for Donald Trump. And 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 I don't know what the spiritual state of the man's heart is. I don't know if he's saved, but let's pray that he does get saved, and let's come alongside him and pray for all those in governing positions that they would do the right thing in office. And people say, "Oh, Trump, he's he's too vulgar. He's you know that guy will make any sort of deal." And we don't know the heart of Donald Trump. We don't know who's surrounding him. I, I know that I was a wretch at one time in my life and there was no hope for Greg Jackson and people thought that I was going to probably, you know, end up in jail. And by God's grace that I didn't. And I know that, that w when there's God, there, there's hope. And when people surround you and pray for you, I know there was a lot of people praying for me. And I know that in 2001, when I became a Christian was, was saved and, and, and born again. I know that the Lord Jesus Christ changed my heart and he changed my life. And I know that that same God is still alive and still in the same business of saving lost souls. And so I'm not giving up on Donald Trump. And I'm praying that there would be an awakening. And I know it's not going to come from the White House, but wouldn't it be great? And, and here's, here's what's really on my heart that I want to share. You know, people say that Donald Trump needs to do all these things. And I know that he ran on closing down the borders 
uh, bringing jobs back to America, making America great again. I mean, who can, I'm, I'm for America being great again as well. I mean, who's, who's against that? Aside from your, you know, standard college professor. Uh, but I mean, I want America to be great again. I like to hang the flag out in front. I take, I have pride in my country. And for many years, I, I was guilty, I think, of elevating the flag above the cross. But by the same token, I still love America and I still think that we're a great nation. And so all the evil deeds that we've done and have allowed to be done in our country, there's still, I believe, tens of millions of good Bible-believing Christians that are salt and light and they're preserving our nation and they've been praying for our nation. They've been fasting. And I believe that God has has really answered our, our prayers, those of us who are on our knees and praying for a respite. And so I think that this is a real opportunity. And as, as much as people want Trump to do all these things, and I want him to close down the border and and secure the border, I want him to, uh, you know, put a put a, a suspension on bringing in Muslims into this country that are preaching jihad. I want Donald Trump to uh, bring jobs back. But above all, guys, I got to tell you that I don't think any of that really matters unless the right to life for the unborn be restored. And I wrote an article. People can go to my website, gregjackson.com. I think you guys, uh, John, I think posted it on your site uh, called The Sanctity of Human Life uh, a Proclamation. And it's basically what I encourage. It's on my website, Donald Trump, to say. I actually shared it with Kellyanne Conway. She's received it, and I, and I believe she is passing it on to uh, Donald Trump. And I believe that our, our friend Mike Huckabee, who also received it, is going to share it with him. And let's pray that it really convicts his heart because I don't believe that you can build the wall a thousand feet high. You can lower taxes down to to zero percent. You can bring all the jobs back. You can have the strongest military in the world. But if we continue to allow 4,000 pre-born babies to be murdered in cold blood in our nation, I don't believe that there's any hope for this nation. The right to life, the restoration of the right to life to all innocent human persons must be restored. And I believe, and I've made the case for it, that if states won't do it, then it's incumbent upon the President of the United States as chief law enforcement officer to do it. And this is what I'm praying Donald Trump does, because if he he could be the president that ends the abortion holocaust and restores the right to life in America, uh, and, and, and if he did that, what a legacy that would be. And I believe that God would bless our nation beyond, above and beyond what we could ever imagine. What do you guys think? Well, I think you're exactly right. It's obvious from the, even the Old Testament, uh, the practice of, of devil worship by sacrificing children to Moloch, this is just a, a, a more progressive form of that through abortion and the, and the murdering of babies on a, a much grander scale, a much more massive scale than what they did in ancient times. And, you know, we look at the decline of our country, and, you know, you can pinpoint when uh, Roe v. Wade was, was passed into law that uh, that was a, de- a deciding point in our country where the decline really started. And if he were to do that, uh, I think that would be, you know, uh, even higher than, uh, in the eyes of the politicians, even higher than removing or revoking Obamacare. Because this is these people's worship to their to their god to their devil, so in him trying to stop that, I think he would face much 
much more violent opposition in trying to do so. And, and you know what, just to add, add on to what you said, Joe um, and Greg, I, I, th- I don't think people really understand the WikiLeaks emails that have come out, uh, the Podesta emails that have come out that, that talk about spirit cooking, for example. I know this is kind of going on a tangent, but I think people really need to understand this, that this is their they're worshiping a different God than we are. And when you look at, when you contextualize abortion and you contextualize the, the homosexual, uh, agenda, you put it in the context of that frame of worship and understand who we're dealing with here, then, then you'll understand that most people don't understand or don't get the fact that there's a, a, the tremendous disparity things that are happening well above their level of observation and understanding. I don't know if that made sense, but the fact is, as you pointed out, the sanctity of life with, uh, you know, against uh, Planned Parenthood and the sanctity of life that, uh, to, to, to rid America of this abortion epidemic. They, the powers, whether you believe it or not, they, they, they've, that's a sacrifice. And I don't want to take your time off, but, but the fact is. Absolutely. You know, it, this, so, people aren't looking no, at No, no, no. I properly. mean, look, you've had guessed it. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Yep. You guys have had guest after guest on your show from Russ Dizdar to Paul McGuire, and they, they articulate a lot better than I do. Um, you know, Steve Quayle, which is that you, you hit the nail on the head. Doug and, and people need to understand this: that the, the, the these are these are Satanists at the upper echelons. They're in high places, and they understand that it's all in the blood. I mean, you had Dr. Ted Brower talking about this and others, and it is all about the blood. And this is what empowers them. They need the blood of the babies. They need to drink the blood. And I'm sorry if this is a little too colorful for the show tonight, but. It, it really goes to the heart of the matter that it's really an issue of life or death. You know, and, 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 you know, we talked a lot about before the election, choose this day, you know, life or, or death. And I think that's in, in large part what this election was about in a lot of ways. And people say, oh, Greg, you're still talking about abortion. I mean, come on, it's a social issue. It's not as important as the economy and jobs. And, you know, it's a state's rights issue and all this stuff. And, and the bottom line is I couldn't disagree more. The most fundamental right that human beings possess is the God-given right to life. And if the church won't stand for the protection of the most fundamental right that God gives all of humanity from the very moment we're conceived until the very moment that we we die, then I don't believe that there's any real hope for our country. Because the most fundamental right that we uh, have, that we possess, is the right to live our own lives and so this is why I've always said if we and it goes right and it like you said Doug it's a spiritual issue as much as it is a moral and ethical issue it's a spiritual issue and Satan knows this that's why Satan loves it when we agree to even one baby dying I mean if we had a law in this country that said uh, we're going to outlaw if, if Barack Obama or, or if, even if Donald Trump came out and said we're going to outlaw every abortion in this country except once a year we're going to have one baby 
and, and we're going to kill that baby and sacrifice that baby, but just one. We're going to save 1.5, you know, million babies, but, but one, we're, we're going to, we're going to sacrifice that baby. And most people would say, oh, well, that, you know, we'd save 1.5 million if we'd agree to kill just that one. But let me ask you a question. What if that one was your son or daughter? Would you still, would you still agree to that? If that one were your son or daughter, let me ask you another question. Did Jesus leave the 99 to save the one? Or did he leave the one to save the 99? He left the 99 to save the one. He left the 90, because each one in God's eyes, everyone is, is, is that vital. He died for every person in this world, for all of the sins of this world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that those who would believe on him would not perish, but have eternal life. He died for everyone because you're that important. And I believe, Doug, that it, this is a spiritual issue and it's incumbent upon the church to pray for Donald Trump and to pray for those surrounding him that he would realize the sense of urgency that Satan really doesn't care how high the border fence is. He doesn't care how low the tax rates are. He doesn't care how high the tariffs we impose on Chinese imports are. But what he really cares about is whether we're going to protect and defend human. That really gets to Satan. And you're right, Doug, and you're right, Joe. If Donald Trump did actually do his job, and he did enforce the God-given right to life for all innocent human persons when individual states failed to do so, per the explicit provisions of the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment, all hell would break loose. But we're told in the Bible that we're to storm the gates of hell with a vengeance. And as Paul McGuire so aptly said the other day, I believe uh, Caleb's report, I believe uh, Joshua and Caleb's report, that, the, that our enemies are, are minuscule little rodents. They're little ants. They're nothing for God-infused, spirit-filled Christians who know their God and are willing to stand on the, the, the truth of God's word in obedience to him. And that's how we are to live. So I want to encourage listeners, because I know we only have a few minutes left in this segment, lift Donald Trump up in prayer, give him the benefit of the doubt, I don't know about all of the picks. I know some of them are spotty. Yes, some of them are globalists. Let's look at the big picture. What, what would it look like, guys, in the spiritual realm, if a million Hagman and Hagman listeners from all over the world lifted him up in prayer and in, and in fasting and prayed like I know a lot of people prayed for me when I was unsaved? What would that look like in the spiritual realm, in the powers and principalities above where these spiritual battles are fought. And, and I would say to you that, that, uh, I don't know if God has, is, is, is done with America. If, if, if he's, if maybe Donald Trump is God's tool for judgment on us. I don't know for sure, but, but I will say it doesn't change what we as Christians are supposed to do. As you say, Doug, we're supposed to play our positions. We're supposed to stand in the gap. We're supposed to pray furiously, unceasingly. We're supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit. In the word, we're supposed to be serving others, blessing our enemies. This is what we were called to do in the last hour. And I want to leave your, your, your listen, listeners with this, guys. Christmas is how many days away? Ten days away. This year, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but Hanukkah, 
and you know, and maybe some of your listeners have heard me. By the way, seven years, guys, I've been on your show. Almost eight years. And I want to thank you. I think over a hundred times I've been on your show. I consider you guys family. This isn't, I always uh, am very thankful and grateful for any opportunity I have to come on your show to share my heart. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. And guys in, in the audience, let's come together. Let's support the Hagmans. I know you guys have uh, uh, advertisers. I love all your advertisers, by the way. But let's come together at the end of the year and support these guys. I don't care what, you know, financially, what we can give, but search your hearts. This isn't a, a guilt trip, but let's search our hearts and let's, let's support what the family is doing because this is all of us. This isn't just Joe and Doug and JD and John and the people that are doing this full time. This is all of us listening, coming together. This is the family, Mishkopa, Hebrew for, you know, these are friends in family. And that's what I consider you guys. And I just wanted to say thank you for having me on and always giving me opportunity to share my heart. And I want to leave your listeners with this, guys. Hanukkah is celebrated for the first time in, I believe, my lifetime. Uh, on the same day, Christmas is celebrated. Now, for some of your listeners who don't know about Hanukkah, it's the Feast of the Rededication of the Temple. We've talked about the, the many of the festivals and Jewish feasts and celebrations on your show many times. Some of your listeners know I'm a Jewish believer, what some would call a completed Jew. Um, came to faith in 2001, shortly before 9-11. And, and if, if any of your listeners are familiar with the Hanukkah that you see, it's a, a, a nine-branch candle, and it's got eight, eight smaller candles, and then one above the others, nine branches total. Well, the, the, the one that's higher than the others is called the Shamash candle, or the servant candle. And it lights the other candles from right to left on every night of Hanukkah, the eight nights of Hanukkah, for people who, and by the way, Hanukkah is only mentioned in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, not even in the Old Testament. Jesus celebrated it. It was the Feast of the Rededication of the Temple. And the, and the cool thing, guys, and I want to think, think about this, and this should bring a smile to your face. Jesus said that I am the light of the world. And, of course, the Shamash candle, he came to serve, too. And that Shamash candle is a servant candle. It gives light to the other candles. And that's what Jesus does for us who believe in him. He gives us. He's our light. If there's any light in us, it's him. Jesus is the light. And he said, we'll never live in darkness when we receive his light. And this year, guys, Hanukkah, the Feast of the Rededication of the Temple, the day that we commemorate that oil that was only supposed to last for one day, lasting eight days, miraculously, uh, falls on the same day that our blessed Savior, our Lord and Savior, the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world, Jew and Gentile, like Jesus, Ham, uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, came into this world. And of course, I know that he probably wasn't born on December 25th, but that's the day that we celebrate it. And I do have a Christmas tree. I'm guilty as charged, and I love my Christmas tree and the ornaments. And I look at those ornaments, and they're the light of the world. And the lights on the candle, that represents, I believe, and I'm teaching my son, they're the, it's the light of the world. But I want your listeners to just think about this. The light of the world came into the world in the flesh 2,000 years ago. And we celebrate his birthday, the day that the light of the world came into the world and Christmas, I, it's my favorite time of year. I say Merry Christmas to everybody. I want them to know the good news. And there are two groups of people that are listening to this show tonight. One 
you are a professing believer, you're a born-again believer, and the Bible says, John 3, 3, you must be born again, you must repent of your sins and receive Jesus as Lord uh, and, and, and Savior. And the Bible says that when we receive him by faith, that we are saved by faith alone and Christ alone, by God's grace alone, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And so if you're a saved, born-again believer, I want you to be uh, encouraged the days in which we're living in. I pray that you would pray for your enemies that you would pray for a new uh, a revival in our nation, that you would not succumb to a spirit of fear or of a spirit of fatalism because we know that Christianity does not teach fatalism. And if you are not a believer and you're listening to this show, I don't care if you listen to it on archive, if you're listening to it live, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for you because the light did come into the world and the Bible is true. And Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the only way to the Father in heaven. And that's the truth. And the the, the spirit of the times and the Oprah Winfrey gospel and Joel Osteen, who doesn't want to judge anybody, and uh, Rick Warren, who says that Muslims and Christians worship the same God, it's a lie. There's only one God. He's the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Jesus Christ. He sent his son to die for you, and he died 2,000 years ago on that cross in Calvary. He shed his blood for you. And as we said earlier, Joe and Doug, it's all about the blood. If you are not covered by his blood, then your sins are not forgiven. And God forbid if you die tonight, you will not uh, spend eternity in heaven. It's, it's, it's that, and I'm sorry if it sounds narrow-minded, but Jesus said, narrow is the way, and few find it. Broad is the road to destruction. And my prayer for you, if you're listening tonight, if you're not sure you're saved, or if you know for sure you're not saved, may tonight be the night, or today be the day of salvation for you, that you would repent of your sin, receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, believe on the name of the Lord, and be saved. Amen. Thank you so much, Greg. Amen. We are at the end of our program, or end of our That's segment. GregJackson.com is the website. God bless you, Greg. Have a great, great night. We'll be right back. Thank you guys. Thanks. We'll be right back with Josh Peck right after this. Welcome to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Reporter. Very special guest, Josh Peck. Folks, man, if you don't know who Josh Peck is, you're living under a rock. Josh Peck, his website, sharpeningreport.com. Um, his YouTube site is uh, Josh Peck Disclosure. And, of course, you can uh, get him uh, also on his website, Josh Peck Disclosure. And, of course, we'll be linking, we, we are linking uh, uh, via Hagman Report to his websites. Our guest for the remainder of the broadcast, which is a treat because we're going to be talking about so many things. Uh, John Robertson uh, really mapped out a, a great, uh, just, a, just a great show, and, and Joe and Josh. And uh, I know Josh has got, uh, uh, of course, a relationship with uh, Tom Horn, Skywatch TV. Their book, Abaddon Ascending, it's, it's uh, something we need to talk about, especially in light of current events. Before we get to Josh, I want to remind everyone once more, you know, the taste of a good steak, hard to come by, right? You can go to a steakhouse and pay oodles of dollars for 
a good steak experience. You don't have to do that anymore. OmahaSteaks.com in the search bar HH. Go to OmahaSteaks.com and as soon as you get there, put HH in the search bar. Let me tell you something. We found the perfect gift, the, fer- the perfect uh, steak package. It's called, it, it, it's my family gift pack. So when you go to OmahaSteaks.com and put HH in the search bar, you're going to be presented with uh, a number of visuals there, one of which is My Family Gift Pack. When you, again, when you go to OmahaSteaks.com and enter HH in the search bar. But let me tell you about what you get in this My Family Gift Pack that's for forty nine ninety nine. It's under $50. You cannot beat the price. Imagine walking into a, a steakhouse and... Uh, which you pay and consider that against the context of this the my family gift pack has two filet mignons two top sirloins and two boneless pork chops and four boneless chicken breasts again i could stop there just for that price but there's more you get four kielbasa sausages four uh four burger four burgers 12 ounce package of all beef meatballs four potatoes au gratin four caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha steak seasoning packet, which gives the steak that boost, that steakhouse flavor, plus four additional kielbasa sausages free. That's in my family gift pack. You cannot beat the price. We've had so many compliments over this as a gift that we've given. And of course, we've cooked up the steaks. We've cooked up the, the, uh, everything in the gift pack for ourselves and for company. And we've had nothing but compliments. This is one of the best buys I've ever seen at OmahaSteaks.com. So go to OmahaSteaks.com, enter HH in the search bar, and there, or from there, order my family gift pack at a 77% savings, $49.99. You can't beat it. Now, and do, do it for the holidays. Oh, do it for the holidays. Treat yourself this Christmas. Josh Peck is our guest. Joe, Josh really yeah. is, um, we met Josh in yeah. November of 2014. He's the long. author of several books. I got some here. Yes, you Disclosure, yeah. uh, one of his first books, Quantum Creation, as well as Cherubim Chariots. And these are fantastic reads, folks. If you have a chance, uh, get these books. He's also co-authored a book with Anthony Patch pertaining to CERN. Revising reality, right? Yeah, revising reality. And uh, we're going to get into some of this stuff tonight. Tom Horn with Abaddon Ascending. Yes, his latest book, Abaddon Ascending. Um, This is with uh, Tom Horn, co-authored by Tom Horn. Uh, And I'm sure this is going to be one of uh, the hottest books in this uh, season, as uh, Tom, a great author, uh, always very insightful and and, and uh, goes that extra mile in his research and writing and and Josh does you know the same thing and he ha- brings such a unique perspective because he understands um a whole bunch of things that that the uh, us laymen don't uh you know the quantum physics and a, a number of other things that um uh, are very technical but he's going to explain those. sense don't they when I mean, he, yeah, yeah, when, yeah. In, in his words, when he puts it, uh, you know, the words on the page and, and puts the book together, they make sense uh, to a point where the pe- average people like me with no technical knowledge in these fields can understand them. And the thing I like about those, Joe, is, is and, and Josh, uh, you, you've succeeded in making the Bible come alive. In, in the context 
of your books against the against scripture against the Bible. Um, my goodness, it, 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 I understand that the Bible is a tremendous historical f- uh, document, but uh, book, but it's also um, fi- loaded with physics and loaded with creation, quantum creation. Mm-hmm. It's just an amazing thing, and you really do a great job in connecting the dots on that. So thank you for doing all of that. So. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for the kind words and for having me on the show again. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Well, we have too. Now, I'm going to ask you right out of the chute, Abaddon ascending. Um, how in the world did you and uh, uh, Tom, well, how did you hook up with Tom Horn? And how in the world did you get interested in this line of research? And even if you want to tell people what Abaddon ascending is about, and then explain how you got got involved in this. Yeah, definitely. Well, Abaddon Ascending is uh, uh, me and Tom's attempt to show how CERN actually plays an active role in Bible prophecy, but also in a lot of uh, really strange things that's happening uh, in the world today. And it's not its not even just about CERN, it's quantum technologies and, and how uh, vastly it's shaping the world around us, um, but in a way that most of us aren't aware of. The unique thing about CERN is that they don't really, at least as far as we know, the, the strange things that they're doing, they're not making it a secret. Um, they, they're uh, actively talking about on their own website how they want to open a portal to other dimensions and try to communicate with something that, that might be inhabiting higher dimensions. They make no secret about this, which is, is strange. But uh, the, the issue is most, most, uh, most people, they have been told uh, you know, we live in a world that tells people things like quantum physics are just too complicated for uh, for normal people. So, uh, you know, just stay away from it. And but all all of that is ridiculous. Quantum physics is perfectly accessible for everyone. Um, and I, I I hope that I'm living proof of that because I consider myself very much a layman. But uh, a lot of the a lot of the problem is physicists and scientists usually speak a different language than we do you know they they speak in these big technical terms where you got to have uh, a dictionary right next to you to be able to make out anything that they're actually saying but when we take when we take all those just enormous ridiculous words but uh just speak plainly you know speak in, in the way that uh anybody would talk to anybody else a lot of these things are accessible and they make a lot more sense uh so it was actually funny that you mentioned uh, how we met back in in November of 2014 at um at a a prophecy conference in Ohio uh cuz back then that was um i i was just there to take part in one panel and uh you know sell a couple books and stuff but i didn't have like a, a presentation but that was my first uh, conference. I was kind of new and upcoming, and you guys graciously invited me on your show. Um, so the first show that I that I did with uh, you guys was was phenomenal. I had a blast, and um, and and it wasn't even that long ago. It was only a couple of years. Um, so you, you asked about how I I got hooked up with Tom Horn. Um, well, uh, I, I have been doing my own show, sharpening re- the the sharpening report, and. Uh, uh, which is like an interview type of show that, that deals with Bible prophecy and stuff like that. I had been doing that. I had been writing, uh, Quantum Creation and Cherubim Chariots. Uh, and luckily enough, um, Dr. Michael Lake, who you guys are familiar with and your audience is probably familiar with, uh, as it turned out, he was familiar with my work. And this was right when Skywatch TV was, uh, first starting to put programs on the air. And, um, 
Well, well, Dr. Michael Lake kind of went out on a limb for me, and he, he gave my books to Tom Horn. Uh, he actually helped a lot in that process of getting us introduced. And so um, Tom read the books and, and uh, apparently liked them because uh, shortly after he called me and invited me to do some programs for Skywatch TV. So uh, we, we were living in Michigan at the time, my, my wife and I and our kids were we were in Michigan. So uh we made the trip down to Missouri and met everybody. We met Tom and the whole Skywatch team and um just had a blast. We we did a couple programs and um so I was already familiar with what they were doing uh but this this was their time their first time meeting me. And uh from there I we just kind of hit it off. We we realized that uh we work really well together and uh, it wasn't too long after that that Tom had called me and Christina and asked us to come and work. Uh, for Skywatch TV and offered us jobs. So now we're hosting a show called Into the Multiverse on Skywatch TV and, um, and, and still writing books. So I, I had this idea, um, a, a little more than a year ago, I was starting to compile research on CERN and it was actually on, on my way back, uh, from those programs where I had this idea about writing a book about CERN, but putting it in a way that anybody can understand um so it's accessible to everybody but showing how it ties in with bible prophecy and how vastly our world is being changed based on quantum research that's being done right now about the idea and i said if if i write something like this would you be interested in publishing it and he said well would Um, Josh, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but your Skype is cutting in and out, and uh, you were interrupted a few times mid-sentence. We were unable to... Uh, actually, you're, you're frozen in time, Josh. It looks like you just got shot. <laughs> looks like you're taking a nap. <laughs> no, but we will get Josh Peck back up and running. Sure, we will. Even if we only had to go with the audio, if for some reason Skype's having issues. We saw with Greg Jackson... The voice to picture was a little out of sync. Yeah. It seemed to continue with Mr. Peck, and then it froze uh, mid-conversation, and then it dumped him. So we're going to try and get him back yeah. and uh, make sure that we have a good connection, whether that be video or audio. But what Josh is talking about leads into a number of important areas for not only science and uh, human beings in general, but us as Christians. Because many people believe that science and Christianity and the Bible are, uh, you know, they're two separate things. When in reality, uh, the Bible and science, uh, if done, you know, science looked at properly, confirms and conforms to the Bible. So, um, we have, we have Josh back. Hey, okay. Are, are you guys able to see and hear me? Yes, we are. Okay. Sorry about that. Not, uh, not sure what happened. Um, if, if I, I was gonna, I was gonna say you look like a Smurf, but but <laughs> I, I, you know I, I'm I'm kidding, of course I'm I'm joking, but no, it's a, a clear picture and, and good good sound right now. So. Okay, good. If if that if that uh, keeps being a problem, I can move to the cell phone if we have to, and that that won't be an issue. But I'm glad that it's working now. What was what was the last thing that uh, you were able to hear me say? Um. Well, the well, last when you started your last uh. uh area of talking you started to your sentence and then it 
cut in yeah. and out, and we couldn't understand what you were saying. We, we, you know, let's but, let's pick up something a little bit different if we can right sure. now. Let's talk about CERN and the large hadron, hadron collider. Let's get right into the meat of things. Yes, uh, you know, for those who not, might not be familiar, familiar, they're two separate things, aren't they? Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the LHC is the actual particle collider, and it's it, it, it's uh, on the border of uh, France and uh, Switzerland. The, so the actual machine itself, uh, this big circular particle collider, that's the LHC, which stands for Large Hadron Collider. Uh, large because it's big. Uh, hadron is a, a class of particles, so they usually uh, collide protons. So a proton is classified as a hadron. So hadron and then collider because they collide it. So that that's the LHC. And then CERN is the actual governing body that makes all the decisions as to what happens, what type what types of experiments that they uh, are going to do with this machine. So CERN is like the people in charge. It's uh, the organization for um or the European Organization for Nuclear Research. Uh so that that's that's the difference between uh CERN and LHC. Those uh, those two things. Okay, that's good. Good, uh, yeah, because I I I use those terms interchangeably, erroneously, obviously. So, no, now that's good to know. All right. And uh, apparently, CERN goes back into ancient times. You want to talk yes. a little bit about that? Definitely. So the weird thing is, as it turns out, uh, the LHC is actually. Built over an ancient Roman, uh, Roman city called uh, Apollyacum, uh, and they actually had to when they were first building the LHC. They actually had to stop construction because they dug up all these ruins, these ancient Roman ruins. Uh, but as it turns out, that that ancient city they uh, they worshipped the god Apollo, and they believed that that's where the bottomless pit was that that we read about in the Bible in the Book of Revelation, and and uh, you know Greek mythology has has stories about Tartarus and stuff like that. Well, they they believed that that's where the bottomless pit was, and that's where Apollo would ascend from. So to me and to Tom, it's a little too much of a coincidence that it would just they would happen to just build the LHC there of all places because it's a very awkward uh, place that they decided to build it. It's on the border of two countries. Uh, you know, what's the reason for doing that? Um, also, there's no real scientific need for, for this thing to be built underground, and it is built underground. Uh, now, they, they have a couple of things on their website where they'll say, well, they built it underground because real estate is expensive in that area. Well, don't build it in that area, you know, plain and simple. There's plenty of other places uh, where you don't have to take up uh, expensive real estate to do it. Uh, and then they'll also say that uh, being underground provides uh, shielding, not not from particles coming in, but from whatever they're doing coming out. But they, in, in, in this big machine, it's full of magnets, and they have everything's really insulated. Uh, so that's not an issue because there are people... If radiation was an issue, if they were worried about that affecting the experiment somehow, there are people that work underground in in the machine. So, uh, so they're not concerned about them, but they're concerned. It just doesn't it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. So, uh, what I believe may have happened is whoever was in power at the time to make the decision of where this thing uh, was going to be built, uh, I, I believe that they knew that that was an area that in ancient times uh, the the you know the god, the the false god Apollo was worshipped and, and venerated, and uh, they had these beliefs about the bottomless pit and everything. Because that that goes in line with a lot of goals that they're actually 
that they actually are, are public about. Like, for example, they want to open a portal and see what's on the other side. They actually say that they want to measure extra dimensions, higher dimensions, which I don't know how they think they're going to be able to do that, but they, they do have uh, some ideas on how a, a, a type of portal might be opened if it hasn't been already. Uh, also, the thing about CERN is a lot of times when they make a discovery or when they uh, make some kind of new development, we don't hear about it for months after. Like when uh, when they uh, like when they discovered gravity waves, for example, that wasn't at CERN; that was at uh, 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 LIGO. But when they detected gravity waves for the first time, we didn't hear about it for months after, for about six months after. So they they, they tend to do that within uh, physics. Whenever there's a discovery like the Higgs boson, we don't hear about it till months and months after. Uh, so there could be stuff going on there now that we that hasn't been been made public. But the 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 concerning thing is what has been made public about wanting to open a portal measure these extra dimensions and possibly communicate with what's on the other side. Oh, okay. And that's very interesting. Uh, Josh, kind of moving forward here, um, I'm going to turn this one topic into to a two-part uh, thing. You say quantum physics is for everyone. And, and another part, you said the basics of quantum physics for everyone at home in the simplest terms possible. What is yeah. quantum physics? Yeah, yeah, and it, and a lot of times when people hear quantum physics, it's kind of a scary sounding, you know, because, again, we live in a world that tells people they have to be some sort of genius to even be able to understand the basics of it, and it's just not true. Uh, quantum physics is for everybody, but basically all quantum physics is, uh, it's, it's the study of the smallest of the small. Uh, the word quantum just means the absolute smallest of the small. You know, you can't, where you get to a point where what you're looking at, a quantum particle, isn't really made of anything. It's not made of smaller parts. Um, it's just like a little ball of energy or something. Uh, so so that's, would, that's what the word, yeah. Would splitting the atom uh, when they created the, the hydrogen bomb, would that be quantum physics? Oh, sure, yeah, okay. because... Yeah, well, it, it would it would actually fall more along particle physics because an atom isn't a quantum particle, but it is made of quantum particles. So uh, quantum physics, you, you know, were were applied there too. Uh, but absolutely. So um, and then the word physics, it's just that just means how things behave in nature. So they're they're trying to understand the the basic building blocks of reality, which is really cool. I mean, it's a really fascinating thing. The problem, though, and this is what uh, scares a lot of Christians away uh, from uh, a lot of scientific topics, but especially things like quantum physics. A lot of times when a, a scientist or a physicist will present uh, his or her findings to the public, uh, they don't really tend to explain it very well because they're used to talking to other physicists. Uh, but even if they do, they put their own interpretation on the discovery, and they try to call the whole thing science. Uh, for example, there's a, there's a physicist that I really like, and um, he was talking about uh, quantum field theory, which is the idea. It's the it's the most accurate uh, science known to man, and we can get into that a little bit more later. But uh, basically, it just means that everything in reality, instead of being made of uh, particles, it's actually made of fields. And when we look at fields, we see particles because of our limited uh, perception. But there, that 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 goes into other areas. But he was talking about quantum field theory, um, and he said that. Quantum field theory proves there's no afterlife because there's no quantum field to take the information of consciousness anywhere. 
So that's that that's what that's the difference between observation and interpretation. Uh he was giving his interpretation on something that's observed. Like quantum field theory is an accurate science. Uh it, it's perfectly acceptable. Actually the LHC at CERN wouldn't work at all if uh if quantum field theory wasn't true. But the way that he interprets that is he looks at quantum field theory and then he says, ah, there must not be an afterlife. But again, that's his opinion. That's his interpretation of the data. So that part isn't science. That's just an opinion. So what we can do as Christians, we can, we can take the, um, interpretation away. And when I, when I look into quantum field theory, I think that to me, and again, this is my interpretation, so I'm kind of doing the same thing. Uh, but to me, I think it actually lends a lot more evidence towards the fact that there must be a God because all this energy has to be coming from somewhere. You know, energy cannot be created or destroyed, so where did it come from? Uh, so, and again, that's my interpretation. And if we're honest as Christians, we do this too. If we, uh, you could, you could give five different Christians the same Bible verse and you're going to get five different interpretations of what that Bible verse means. So everybody does it, you know. Uh, but I think if, if we can look at scientific discoveries and learn how to interpret them our, ourselves, we don't have to throw the, all the science away. We can actually keep the science, we can keep the findings, and just put our own interpretation on it. And if, if we're Bible-believing Christians, we can, uh, you know, we can apply that for, to, to get our interpretation from, and that's likely going to be more accurate anyway. Yeah, uh, and, and you know what, Josh, you do, and I, I like I like this because longtime listeners to our program, your program, um, this is this, this is what we strive to do. I mean, we assist people in thinking, researching for themselves, but but thinking, yes. you know, and, and 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 you serve as a as a conduit for. Uh, for understanding in this in this realm, which is many people are, are you know when I when I looked at your books, I mean I gotta tell you uh, a lot of the a lot of this I thought was over my head, but when you start really understanding, which in my case I read slowly, and then you start understanding what you're saying, and then you apply it to to what's in the Bible, and and hey things start to. Uh, Things start to kind of mesh together, and uh, yeah. It, but you're right. You know the five different verses, five different interpretations, but with the proper assistance of understanding uh, or for understanding, I think that um, we we come across with a greater picture. Now, with what you're saying about the quantum field, um, and tell me if this applies here. If not, sure. if not, we'll kick it down the road. But I've always believed that consciousness resides outside of one's body. If you, I, yes. I'm not even sure that makes sense. Oh, it makes sense. It, okay. it does to me. Okay. And accessing that consciousness, for example, I, I, I in, to help me understand that, I picture like this big hard drive somewhere in the in the sky. Okay. Of course, that's not what it is, folks. But you know, and we. We have a portion of that hard drive, as does all of humanity or human beings, and we access that through, dare I say, quantum physics or quantum field. I mean, is that well, yeah, okay, yeah, and that's that. That brings up a really interesting point too, because uh, right now physicists don't have a good explanation or a way of explaining uh, mathematically or scientifically what consciousness is 
um, you know, the best that they have is just a brief, uh, uh, just, just a brief explanation saying that, well, it's the state of being self-aware. But okay, how do you, like, how do you show that in the lab or how, there's no really good, uh, explanation. But one of the, one of the leading ones right now that, that some physicists are looking into, most physicists think that this is totally speculative and they don't take it seriously, but there might, actually be something to this. It's called quantum brain dynamics. And what it is, is it uh, it says that um, consciousness is actually an interaction with a quantum field, like, uh, like the Higgs field, for example. We interact with the Higgs field uh, every day, and that's actually what gives us mass, us interacting, our particles interacting with the Higgs field is what gives us mass. So it's not, when, when the Higgs boson was discovered and uh, uh in 2012, it, it kind of got turned around in the media because physicists didn't really explain it too well. The physicists usually don't want to talk about quantum field theory because uh, we live in a world where we think of particles, and um, it, it, it's hard to kind of uh, turn that on its head. But um, So they kind of just settled and said, well, the Higgs boson causes uh, mass. But, yeah, we'll get more into that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, folks, you're listening to Josh Peck on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, Josh is a prolific author. Cherubim Chariots, Quantum Creation, Disclosure, and his latest book, Abaddon Ascending, co-authored with Tom Horn. And uh, his books don't disappoint. I can't imagine that this one would, especially with Tom Horn as a co-author. We're going to be right back with Josh Peck to get into CERN and a number of other important biblical information. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Josh Peck for hour two. special guest, Mr. Josh Peck, prolific author, uh, member of Skywatch TV. His All of his contact information is in the uh, program description. And uh, we're so lucky to have him. And explaining things, you know, when we look at events today, there is a biblical explanation, obviously a spiritual reason, but there's also a, a biblical explanation that taps into the uh, well, quantum physics, and this is what uh, Josh Peck is talking about. And it's very interesting, especially when we, when we talk about CERN and stuff. And, and um, Joe's been all over the research on CERN and, and uh, following that with Josh. And it's very interesting to to talk about this because um, uh, this is really what it's all about in, in the larger sense. Before we get back to Josh, I, I a couple of announcements, please, folks. Tomorrow, tune into uh, our program with. Uh, Mike Zulo, he and Carl Gallops. Now, Mike had, uh, in case you joined us late, the announcement at the beginning of the program, uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, along with Mike Zulo, had a press conference in Maricopa County earlier today. And they reaffirmed and also gave new information about the Obama uh, PDF copy, the document that appeared on whitehouse.gov. That was and I'm being very careful here with what I say. This is not uh, an eligibility issue. This is just merely addressing the legitimacy of the document. And, of course, 
they disclosed once again nine points of forgery as well as the uh, the identification of the source document used to create the PDF file on the whitehouse.gov uh, website. We're going to be talking at length with Mike Zillow and Carl Gallops tomorrow about this. And so it's going to be an extremely important program. They're going to answer a lot of questions, and you're going to have a lot of your questions answered as to uh, the origins of this document and uh, connecting some extremely important dots and once more, for the people who are joining us late, this is why I, I wanted to make sure that everyone lines up for tomorrow night's program. Um, also, Omaha Steaks, Search Bar HH, Christmas Shopping, also Casper.com slash CFP Radio. Mattress time, Betty Buy time, best mattresses around, Casper.com slash CFP Radio. And coupon code right now. Uh, CFP Radio for $50 off your purchase of a mattress. Uh, T.C. Joseph. Folks, T.C. Joseph, this generation series of novels. What a great, what a great set of books. These are the books, kind of books that you can give to people that are, well, we'll say that, that, that are, are perhaps not really into biblical prophecy. And this kind of is a backdoor to them to to awaken them because T.C. Joseph's novels, they move through recent history. They, they, they take you on a journey through recent history to the events that are just over the horizon. He's got a very witty style and a fascinating character development. He, all of his novels, all three of his novels provide a fascinating read. The first of the series is Precipice. Book two is Pentecost, and book three is Penance. We have all three. We love them, and we have given them out as tools to awaken those, awaken friends and family members to the perilous times that we face. Raving reviews on Kirkus, by Kirkus and Blue Ink reviews. Uh, so it's it's really a great gift for someone in your family or for yourself. It makes great reading. Again, T.C. Joseph. This Generation Series of Novels. That's T.C. Joseph's This Generation Series of Novels. And you can get them at Amazon It's uh, or thisgenerationseries.com for more information. But back to Josh Peck. Josh, thanks for hanging with us and being part of our program tonight. Well, absolutely. Thank you for uh, for having me on again. And um, yeah, like I, I before the break, I was talking about uh, the mystery of consciousness, and uh, it's it's actually kind of cool because the first time that you and I talked about this uh, was um, what about a year ago, maybe a little more, when I was uh, when me and Tom were first putting research together for this book, and I was just getting into uh, the idea of consciousness and what physicists are trying to do in defining it. Um, and that that interview, actually, I should tell your audience that 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 interview is included in uh, a series of interviews that we that Skywatch kind of put together called the Coming Technocalypse. Uh, so for your audience, uh, I'm sure they love you guys, you guys, and uh, and I'm in there too. But that that uh, reason I bring that up is that people are going to get the book anyway. Abaddon, uh, Abaddon ascending. If they're going to get the book, go to SkywatchTV.com and click on the banner because you can get over four hundred dollars worth of free materials with this book. Other other books and uh, uh, CDs, DVDs, the. Um, the, the actual first season of Into the Multiverse, uh, my show, and a bunch of other stuff. But 
The reason I bring it up is because it's for a limited time only. We're running out, so uh, if people are going to do it, do it now because uh, it's it's not going to be available for much longer. But um, but in that in that coming Technocalypse uh, audio CD set or MP3 disc, uh, I, I was I was kind of just getting into this idea of of consciousness and um, what it means that it might be an interaction with a quantum field and for. Uh, for those who might be joining us uh, and didn't didn't hear the first part in, in the first half hour, uh, basically the idea is called quantum brain dynamics, and it defines consciousness as an interaction in a quantum field. Um, so an example of a quantum field interaction, which is just fancy words for saying y- you go through something and it does some stuff, but uh, the Higgs field um, is actually what gives us our mass, what gives particles their mass. Uh, without the Higgs field, every particle would be massless, like a photon, and every particle would travel at the speed of light, like a, like photons. Uh, so photons, the particle of light, they don't interact with the Higgs field at all, so they have no mass. Every other, uh, uh, you know, every other particle that we're made of does, and so that that's what gives us mass. So it's an interaction. Um, so as we pass through the Higgs field and you know move around and everything, that that's what does it. So the idea is consciousness might be the same. Uh, the, the same idea. Uh, us, us move, and they have hypothetical terms for these things. So the field, uh, if it exists, is called the cortical field. And because every quantum field has uh, a particle that it's associated with, uh, for example, the electromagnetic field has photons and the, the gravitational field has gravitons, um, the cortical field, the field of consciousness, would have a particle called a corticon. Um, and again, not a lot of physicists take this uh, idea seriously because as of right now, there's really no good experimental data to show that this is the case. Uh, but it could be, and right now it's the only explanation that's even somewhat viable. Uh, so if it is, this brings up some interesting questions. Um, what if, because the Large Hadron Collider at CERN, they're able to create other particles by smashing photons together. Because um, basically, what's happening is is when the when these proton and I said photons, excuse me, protons, when these protons smash together, it causes energy to ripple out into other surrounding uh, fields. So what happens is when a field vibrates, it that that creates particles. That's that's actually what a particle is is it's a vibration in in a field. So uh, that's how they're able to create new particles out of uh, out of these collisions. Well, the idea is if the cortical field is real, it would be everywhere around us. It would it would take up all points in space. Um, but they should be able to create corticons at CERN or other particle colliders. Now, if they were able to do that, this might actually be the thing that causes the rise of artificial intelligence. Uh, because think about it this way. Right now, the path that they're going towards artificial intelligence and creating a, a, an AI beast-type system uh, is a lot of money, a lot of programmers, a lot of code. You know, it's it's just a big hassle, and even uh, e- even what they have now isn't near perfect. But imagine if they could just create their own consciousness from these particles, from from these collisions. Uh, it would be a lot cheaper because they're already doing particle collisions, so they wouldn't have to add much to their cost to do this. Uh, and it would be a lot more efficient because it's what nature is uh, doing anyway. So. But 
in the wrong hands, that type of technology can be incredibly dangerous. Because if they can create a consciousness, well, that's going to leave us Christians with uh, with some questions we'll have to find an answer for. Uh, is it a true consciousness? Is it a demon? Is it uh, is it something that would have rights? You know what what yeah. what type of entity would this be? You know, we uh, see, we, yeah. And sorry for interrupting, Josh. We see a lot of. Uh, you know, with this battle between minimum wage and, and this technological boom that we've seen, uh, a lot of companies saying, well, we're going to replace, you know, a lot of minimum wage jobs from cashiers and, and whatnot and, and replace those with machines, kind of like they do with, uh, bank tellers and kiosks. And there's an argument out there, um, with these robots and machines, you know, do they have a conscious? Can they, um, understand, learn, and, and, uh, uh, imply the, the the human experience, feelings, and all that, and there's a thin line there. Like you said, with the artificial intelligence, uh, is this something that will uh, evolve into something that is more advanced than a human and take on human attributes? And that is a a, a big question when it comes to uh, you know how far we go with machines, and is there a danger there? There's always been this. Uh, throughout history, uh, recent history, especially with sci- science fiction novels and whatnot, and from the movie Frankenstein, that you know you build a machine and the machine gets a mind of its own, and then the humans are the natural enemy of the machine. Is this, in your experience or research, a possibility? Yeah, I think it is, and I think I think what what could happen. One of the ways that this could play out. Um, D- Tom and I do believe that CERN or or particle colliders like that quantum technology uh, really does play a large role in in biblical prophecy. So we read in Revelation nine that somehow uh, Apollyon or uh, Abaddon comes out of the abyss, and there's a lot of different ideas about how that might work. Is CERN involved? And, and that's actually a big portion of the book, um, but. There's there's different ways that this might play out. Uh, I mean, they could be they could open a portal at CERN and Abaddon could just come out of it uh, with all these horrible locusts, that, you know, along with it. Uh, but it could it could even be something more subtle. Like if if the whole cortical field and all that is right, and they uh, they develop corticons and uh, they're able to implement it into a machine and and essentially create an artificial intelligence, because that's actually something that they're actively looking for at CERN is a way to implement artificial intelligence uh, to sift through. All the all the data that they have, they have so much data from these collisions that they can't go through it all on their own. And they actually started uh, uploading it to the internet, hoping that amateur physicists can help help uh, just sift through all this data. Um, so they're they're looking for um, two things: artificial intelligence and quantum computing. They want to use those to. Uh, sift through all this data. But imagine if, if they use an artificial intelligence to do it, and this thing kind of wakes up and, and uh, has a mind of its own and can make its own decisions. Uh, what if that is actually Abaddon? And now it has full access to the Internet, which means it would have full access to everybody and everything. There, there's another dark side to this, too. Like, that's not dark enough, but... Um, the, the governments that are in, that would be in control of this technology, if they develop a way to manipulate corticons, they could they could actually manipulate our consciousness because if our consciousness is just an interaction in a field, uh, and they learn how to manipulate that, they could essentially wipe you out and put a new consciousness in you. 
so if this artificial intelligence thing, you know, comes alive, and uh, it would have that type of capability. Uh, now we're back in the days of Nimrod, where everybody was of one mind, one speech, one language, you know. Uh, and actually, in, in that in that passage, when you when you look into the Hebrew, it's it's almost like a type of hive mind that the people uh, of Earth at that time were under under Nimrod and uh, following everything he said. So you almost got like a repeat of that. So it's it's insane. <laughs> yeah, and, and you say hive mind. The first thing that comes to to my mind is, you know, like IBM computer program Watson. Uh, the internet, for example, collects uh, and and monitors every keystroke of every person to every uh, search that they conduct, every habit that they have online. And now companies uh, are tracking people offline. Facebook announced that they track non-users offline. Uh, as well as online. And um, it, it's just uh, mind-blowing to think of the possibilities. And when we read in, in Joel where it talks about how the armies will uh, not break ranks, they will, you know, march and, and destroy, and no uh, bullet or, you know, spear will pierce them, uh, nothing will stop them, uh, to put it in my own words, and they will continue on. It is... Uh, when, when you read it and you think about what's available today, it is almost like it has to be some sort of machine or it, it's some supernatural spiritual entity. Yeah, or possibly even even a little of both. And um, yeah, because th- those are the same th- that locust army. It's the same locust army that's described in the Book of Revelation. And yeah, these things uh, they're 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 clearly you know they're from the the abyss, so they're they're clearly. Uh, you know, spiritual or extra-dimensional, we might we might even say. And it's actually kind of funny when scientists uh, talk about extra dimensions, when physicists talk about extra dimensions, they'll never use these terms. But essentially, they're talking about heaven and hell. I mean, there's no different. They're talking about spiritual reality. When you actually look at what they're uh, describing and what they believe and what they think about extra dimensions, it's the same stuff that we believe about uh, heaven. They just don't go as far as to include God and and all that. But but they they have this active plan right now uh, to try to communicate with something on the other side. They they seem pretty okay with the idea that not only do extra dimensions exist, but that there's intelligences in those dimensions that are waiting for us to make contact. And it, it, it's strange because this has actually been going on for about about a decade, at least, if not longer. But there was a um, there there was a uh, 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 a documentary that was narrated by a popular physicist Brian Greene, and I, I, he's he's a, he's a brilliant physicist, and uh, I've, I have a couple of his books, and I, I like his writing a lot. But it was really strange because um, it was just a basic, you know, documentary on quantum physics and stuff, and uh, it was really interesting. But then they got to this weird part where they're talking about how gravitons uh, could be used uh, to send a message into another dimension. Gra- gravity has somehow gravity just the way it naturally is. It ha- it has the ability to uh transcend into other dimensions. It leaks into other dimensions. And right now that's actually the leading theory as to why gravity is so much weaker than the other forces. Um uh, you know uh, Einstein was looking for a theory of everything, a way to a unified field theory. He wanted to be able to uh take all the 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 Forces and be able to unify them into into one uh, mathematical theory, and he wasn't able to do it 
because, uh, and no physicist has been able to because of gravity. Um, they can do it with the other three forces, which are electromagnetism, strong nuclear force, and weak nuclear force. They can get those in, in, so, so, you know, but gravity, for some reason, it's so much weaker than the other forces, they have no way to, uh, make it fit in with the rest. So one of the leading theories is that gravity might leak into other dimensions, which actually, it, it goes a little bit into string theory, this, this idea that particles are made from tiny vibrating strings. Uh, and most particles would be attached to our universe, would be attached somehow. Uh, it's actually called a brain, B-R-A-N-E, which is short for membrane. But it, it's it, other particles are kind of locked in here. Uh, but gravitons would be made of uh, closed, like looped strings, where they can uh, transcend out and leak into other dimensions. Now, if that's true, what they want to do, and, and this is what they were talking about in, in this that section of this documentary by Brian Green, uh, they want to be able to take a string of gravitons and alter the spin of each one to create like a one zero zero one, you know, binary type of code, kind of like computer language. And they want to uh, be able to send it off into another dimension, which it would naturally do anyway, then put up a detector and see if they get a reply, which is really strange. And when they were talking about that in the documentary, uh, they were talking about uh, parallel universes and, and you know, may maybe they're uh, inhabited by other versions of us and things like that. But when they actually showed, like, a graphic of this, you, you know, they had a little animation about it, they showed a gray alien picking up the phone. Now, what does a gray alien have anything to do with higher dimensions? You know, I mean, according to them, if aliens are real, they're on another planet, but still within our universe. Now, we we might think, well, that maybe they have extra-dimensional origin or spiritual origins. You know, maybe these are demons or fallen angels, right? So uh, it was weird that they portrayed this alien, this gray alien, picking up the phone and talking to Brian Green, and, you know. Uh, but it was just weird imagery. So... But they've been talking about that. That documentary is about ten years old now. They've been talking about it for that long. As of we, as far as we know, uh, they haven't been able to manipulate gravitons yet. But they are, and they they might have already, and we just don't know about it. But they are at least one step closer since they were able to detect gravity waves. So the next step would be to replicate that in the lab, uh, and then they'll be able to actually manipulate gravitons and do this communication thing. But my question is, uh, who are they expecting to talk to? Because they, they, they must have a view of these entities that they're constantly watching us. Otherwise, how would they even know to be receiving a message, you know? How would they know that, that we're going to send one through? So they must have a view of these, these extra-dimensional entities that they're constantly watching us. They're constantly involved somehow in what we say and do. Um, but uh, yeah, again, my question is, who who are they going to actually be talking to? And I think Revelation 9, uh, where it talks about Abaddon and the Abyss and, and the, the, the locust beings, uh, these amalgamation of, of different types of just horrific beasts, uh, I think that's the answer. I think that's who they're going to be talking to, and that might possibly be uh, what invites them into our realm. That okay. might be the key to the bottomless pit. Okay, and then th that's where I was going next, because we know... Uh, you know, from, from Nimrod and, and Babel, um, a lot of people theorize that the pyramids were built with tools of a much higher technology, technology than we have today, and that at some point, probably at the flood, that all that was wiped out along with those, uh, higher technological civilizations, and, and, and 
put that on hold for a moment to the uh, aliens. You know, we see the ancient alien astronaut theorists and all these people who believe that there are extra uh, terrestrials out there that are outside of the creation of Earth. And just me personally, I know that there is no alien uh, as many people think it is, it is spiritual entities, uh, interdimensional entities masquerading as, as aliens or a higher intelligence, uh, that have guided the elite. So, uh, the ancient technology back in, in Babylon with Nimrod and, and the Tower of Babel, um, this was their way of, of communicating or, um, you know, uh, showing their dominance and, and, and gaining their, you know, one world control. Uh, over everything. Now, is it possible that CERN was built, as you just alluded to, for the purpose of bringing or allowing these entities the, the doorway and technology to regain one, what they once had and was, were trying to accomplish? Yes, I believe, I, I absolutely believe so. Well, wait a second, before you answer that, okay, sure. you're gonna have to dumb this down one more level for me, okay? When you, when you talk about when you talk about different dimensions, um, okay, I get the, okay. I, I think I understand. I, I understand the idea that we're not talking about like when you when you reference the alien, for example, the phone, the little gray guy using a phone. Was it a rotary dial or a cell phone or what, what was it? In the, never mind. Okay, <laughs> it was a payphone. <laughs> it was a payphone. All right. Um, the, <laughs> All right, so I, I think I think I get I get that that, that we're talking not about um, inhabitants of other planets, but right. other dimensions, right? Yes. And, and there, we're not talking about life forms from Mars, but we're talking about life forms from other dimensions that are demon slash. Yes, yes. And think about this: the story of Jesus when he was in the desert fasting for forty days. Yeah. And the devil tempted him first with telling him to turn uh, the uh, rock into bread second saying you know throw yourself off the cliff right the third it says that the devil took jesus to the pinnacle in the height of the pinnacle now this was not in any dimension that we would understand in our world right so there is okay. uh, dimensions and, and you know you hear the first second and third heaven that there's there's different levels of heaven. Um, think of it as uh, you know the term is being raptured. They, the devil raptured Jesus up into the, to the top pinnacle and offered all the kingdoms of the world. That dimension was out of the sight of the human eye, just like heaven. Uh, we yeah. know heaven's real; it exists. It's there. And but Jesus where showed himself? Well, that's the question. And, and where are these other dimensions? I guess that, that's my question. Are, yeah. Are, are, yeah, yeah, they're they're actually. They're actually all around us. If we if we think right. of it this way, um, we we exist in three dimensions of of uh, uh, space and one of time. Uh, so, not kind of, let, let's set aside time for a second because that's a whole other that's a whole other deal. But just the three dimensions of space that we live in, we have uh, we have left and right, so that that constitutes one dimension. We have forward and back. That's another dimension. We have up or down. So one of the easiest ways to understand what an extra dimension would be, uh, and, and 
every physicist that talks about extra dimensions, they use this analogy because it just works so well. Uh, Chuck Missler even used this analogy, the one of uh, uh, Flatland. So basically, imagine a two-dimensional universe, something that's just completely flat. It doesn't have to be very big. It could be the size of your tabletop. Uh, and imagine that this this flat space, uh, it has left, right, forward, backward, but no up or down. So the inhabitants of Flatland, we'll call them Flatlanders, uh, they could just be simple shapes like squares and circles. Um, they can see what's in front of them, uh, and, but everything would look like it's, you know, a, as a line. So they, they would see uh, lines and, uh, you know, just two-dimensional two lines in front of them, but they have no concept of up or down. So now what if I, as a, like a three-dimensional being, uh, what if I wanted to interact with a Flatlander or let a Flatlander know that I was there? I could I could literally look down at the Flatlander and I could see every every part of the Flatlander, uh, but he wouldn't be able to see me unless I'm right right in front of him in some way. So we'll we'll get more into that uh, after after the break. <laughs> yes, we will absolutely, folks. We are talking with author Josh Peck. He's the author of a number of, of fantastic books. Disclosure being one one of my favorites, Cherubim Chariots, as well as Quantum Creation. Uh, a book I need to go to college to read and understand. But when we come back, we're going to get into our hour number two interview with Mr. Josh Peck right after this. Stay with us. segment of the Hagman and Hagman Reporter. Our guest is uh, Josh Peck. Uh, my goodness, what an intellectual discussion. We're going to crank it up in a little bit. Something maybe you folks didn't see coming. The Podesta emails. Yeah, Josh is going to be talking about the Podesta emails. You didn't see that coming, did you, folks? So you just hang hang with us here as we uh, get get through some of these other issues. Very, uh, I mean, to me, this is really what uh, uh, what news is all about. It's it's when when I hear Josh talk, I hear him talk about what CERN is doing and and uh, the things we don't hear about. Man, this really—it's—it's it, it's incredible stuff. Before we get back to Josh, ladies and gentlemen, did you have you heard of Kangen Water? Water by Cindy. Go to waterbycindy.com. It's—you know—our bodies are made up of mostly water, and water is so important to our life. And we spend so much money on bottled water, tap water. I just saw a notice uh, uh, here in the news about not drinking the tap water. One of our municipal cities. It, it, there are a lot of things that affect water, the tap water and, and such. Go to waterbycindy.com and learn about their water treatment systems because water is the most important substance in the world. It gives us life. It uh, flushes out, well, it carries nutrients to cells. It helps with our digestion, flushes out the toxins and so on. And her system is different than... Uh, most of oh, not all others, tremendously, the, the, the pH yeah. Yeah. Uh, levels and monitoring because 
uh, one of the things that that sicknesses that come when your body has a, a distorted pH level. Absolutely. And this is a tool that can be used to regulate and fix that. You know, go to waterbycindy.com and watch. In fact, they've got some good demonstrations, good videos there, and they're, they'll answer your questions and such. But, folks, uh, for your health, and I mean this, your health, if you, and we have a, a, a Kangen water system here, uh, well, not here, but at the Hagman household, and we've noticed a huge difference, um, from cleaning windows to drinking water to making coffee to all of those things, a huge difference as we have used this water system to adjust the pH. Waterbycindy.com. That's waterbycindy.com. And tell them you heard about them on the Hagman and the Hagman Report. You won't be sorry. Let's get back to Josh Peck and where he was leaving off right before the break, talking about the, uh, uh, as I understand it, people that live uh, uh, flat on a piece of paper, basically, and, uh, well, the, would you call them flatlanders, right? Yeah, 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 flatlanders. <laughs> yeah, so the, the, what's cool about this exercise, this thought exercise, is it, it shows us how uh, an extra-dimensional entity, you know, a uh, fancy word for maybe angel or demon or something, but how how something like that might interact in our space. So before the break, I was talking about imagining a, a two-dimensional flat universe. The inhabitants of the universe are called flatlanders. They have no concept of up or down. So everything that they see right in front of them, it's it's a line. Uh, like if I were to put a, a cube on flatland, they would see, you know, the flatlander looking at it would see, uh, well, they would see a line, but they could travel around it and see that it's a square. But they would have no concept of the whole cube. You know, they would just have uh, the two-dimensional representation of a cube, which is a square. So imagine if I... Um, as an extra-dimensional entity, wanted to uh, wanted to try to communicate with these things or, or, or show myself to them. I could stick two fingers in Flatland like this, and I could move them around. And as I do that, the Flatlander is looking at this, and he's seeing two independent circles moving around. Uh, he wouldn't know that they're actually connected to one entity. It would look like that there's just two independent circles mo- moving around. Um, but as I pull my fingers out, he would see those uh, circles shrink and disappear. What's interesting is there's actually a lot of UFO reports that are really similar to that, just in three dimensions. Because you, you, the idea is you take that thought exercise and then bump it up one dimension. So um, if if a four-dimensional object, like a hypersphere, which is a sphere of four dimensions of space, which we can't even conceive of what that would look like. But if it happened to breach our three dimensions of space, uh, it would look like a sphere. But as it's entering our space, what it would look like is just a point appearing out of nowhere, growing in size, and then shrinking and, and disappearing as it leaves, just like the, the, the circle idea. If you drop a ball through Flatland, you know, that's how they would, they would see it. Uh, a point would exist in space. It would expand into the circle and then shrink and then disappear uh, as the ball falls through. So that, that's to a Flatlander, he might ask, you know, where is the third dimension? You know, uh, there's, if there's extra dimensional beings, you know, people called humans, uh, where are they? Where, where's the third dimension? And then the answer would be, well, it's all around the Flatlander. <laughs> you know, the, the 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 direction of up and down are all around the Flatlander. He just has no concept of it. 
same idea goes for us. Uh, now, there might be as many as 11 or 12 dimensions, um, and uh, so we, we, we don't know, but uh, there could be a lot, a lot of these things. But we could even just think about the fourth uh, spatial dimension, the next highest one that we have no concept of. Um, so that, that's kind of like just a brief rundown of uh, uh, where these dimensions are. They're everywhere. They're, they're all around us. We just don't have the perception to be able to uh, see or experience them. And uh, physics has shown this uh, through mathematics and, uh, and some experimental data because they, they do, sometimes they do, you know, these collisions where they notice uh, particles seem to disappear. And the, the way that the data works, if it was just a particle that was um, uh, decaying into, into uh, less massive particles, or if it was just some natural, normal process, it wouldn't look like it just disappears. You know, a particle doesn't just disappear. Uh, so they see these gaps. What they think is happening is possibly those gaps are actually gravitons, and they're escaping into other dimensions because that's the only real explanation of, of where these things would actually go that fits in with uh, with physics. So if that's true, uh, and CERN believes it is, and, and a lot of physicists believe it is, that extra dimensions exist, um, then the question is, well, you know, what exists there? Uh, um, why, but why do they want to communicate with them? Why do they want to communicate with us? Uh, and, and again, I think Bible prophecy gives us that answer. Um, all, all over Revelation 9, uh, other, other places, uh, throughout scripture. But yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a weird, weird world that we're living in. And all of this stuff is made open to the public. They, they don't, this isn't like secretive conspiracy, uh, stuff that we're dealing with. Like, this is documented. This is on their website, even. They're, they're proud of it. Um, but again, we live in a world that tells people that they're too stupid to understand quantum physics, so don't even try. And then people aren't aren't uh, thinking that they should research this stuff or look into it. But the problem is that that leaves those in power. Uh, they're not held accountable to anybody. You know, we we as the public, we're not holding them accountable, so they're they're free to do whatever they want. Uh, so that that's that's why me and Tom wrote this book to try to uh, explain to people what is going on in a way that people can understand. Um, and what what they can uh, what they can do about it, you know, certainly pray against uh, a lot of this stuff. But why it's so important and how this is actually shaping uh, the world, not only that we live in, but that we're going to leave to our children. Wow. <laughs> okay, Josh, we're gonna kind of switch gears here uh, in the interest of time. Sure. Um, dark matter. This is a subject yeah. we get lots of emails about when we get into these topics. And when we deal with CERN, um, dark matter. What is dark matter from a scientific point of view, and how might a Christian interpret it differently? Yeah, so dark matter is one of the coolest things. <laughs> it, it's one of the most interesting and mysterious things because scientists know something's there, but they can't see it or measure it in any discernible way. So ba basically, what dark matter is, uh, they they noticed that galaxies have far more uh, gravity than they should. When they when they look at galaxies out in the universe and they measure the mass, um, and then they measure the speed at which they the galaxies spin, there's not enough gravity to keep the galaxies together. What what should be happening is these stars and everything should be flying off everywhere because they're spinning too fast. Uh, so there's extra gravity from somewhere. Uh, well, 
you have to have some type of mass or some type of matter uh, to to cause a gravitational interaction like that. So they know that there's some type of extra matter in the universe, and it's actually a lot more than than uh, observable matter. Um, I, I think that of of the observable matter, when you take dark dark matter and dark energy into account, what we see is only about four percent of what's actually there. Um, so as we talked about before, gravity can transcend dimensions. So what I think is going on, and what I think a, a lot of a lot of physicists and scientists think is going on, is that dark matter is actually extra dimensional matter. It, it's it's matter that exists in higher dimensions. Uh, just like again, we could think of Flatland. If um, if I put a cube on Flatland and then the Flatlander measures the gravity of the square that he sees, he might notice that that square is is heavier or more massive or it's it's causing a, a, a higher gravitational effect than it should based on the mass of the square. But he's not taking into account that there's a whole cube there. So that might actually be what's going on. And interestingly enough, our own planet, planet Earth, has unaccounted, unaccounted for mass. It's something, it's uh, 13 million square miles of extra mass somewhere on Earth that, that's just not here. It's extra dimensional. Uh, the leading, the leading theory right now wait uh, is, wait, oh yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, hold the phone here. Huh? <laughs> okay, so this, this, this is really cool. They, they measured, uh, they measured the gravity, uh, gravitational effects on satellites. Uh, uh, orbiting the Earth, and they they discovered that satellites are actually being pulled a lot more than they should be. They actually had to to uh, take that into account in their calculations and everything, um, but they they don't know why that should be because the the Earth is a certain mass um, and it, it weighs a certain amount, you know. Uh, but it's affecting these satellites way more than it should be. So there's some type of dark matter. To the Earth, there's some type of extra-dimensional something to the Earth, and I actually think the Bible gives us the answer on that. I, I wrote a whole blog about extra-dimensional Earth and about how the Bible talks about the pillars of the Earth and the four corners of the Earth and uh, the the, the all, all these different things that, when you really look at the Hebrew and, and see what they're describing, it's things that connect the physical Earth that that we that we know and can experience to heaven. Uh, like the pillars of the earth and things like that. So there's some type of extra-dimensional creation uh, around us that we can't see, we can't interact at, and it seems to be all throughout the universe. Uh, now, we as Christians would just say that that's heaven. But the cool thing about this is that it shows that heaven isn't, this, the spiritual world isn't this, this ethereal, wispy place that's not really made of anything. It's actually a lot more solid than uh, than we are even just like we are a lot more solid than a flatlander would be. There's a lot more to us than there is to a flatlander. Well, there's a lot more to to heaven and angelic beings and everything than what we can experience here on Earth. If anything, we're the wispy ones. You know, we're the ghosts. Uh, but yeah, so dark matter. The the best theory out there right now is that it is extra uh, dimensional. Matter. Now, there are other theories that, that, that might be weakly interacting massive particles. They call them WIMPs, that there might be a class of particles that we haven't discovered yet, maybe uh, even supersymmetric particles, which just means for every, for every particle of mass that we know about, there's an unknown uh, force particle. And that could be, but if it's affecting gravity in that way, if there is extra-dimensional constructs out there, if heaven does exist, 
we should expect it to have that effect. And that's the effect that we see. So I, I think that the cause is laid out for us right in the pages of the Bible. Interesting. Interesting how you contextualize that with, with the Bible. And I do believe that that, um, yeah, I, I, I understand it. I understand that I don't understand it, but the answers are in the Bible for me to understand it, if that makes sense. But I, I, yes. I get that. Okay. All right. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, and it, like for me, quantum physics has has, uh, and I don't I don't mean that we have to interpret the Bible through science or anything like that, but it really does open a lot. If we think about what science actually is, it's just the study of God's creation. That's if we look at it through that lens. If we start off with the proper uh, outlook that science is the study of God's creation, we look at it that way. Yeah. Oh man, it really makes the Bible come alive. And, and, I, and I, I really don't believe that any scientist who is being intellectually honest, and this is just my personal view, I, I, can't, I can't imagine a scientist um, being an atheist. Yeah. Okay, I, I just, I, that doesn't, I have a hard, I have a more difficult time trying to reconcile a scientist being an atheist than, than I do understanding what you're talking about. Because... Same here. He, Look at creation. I mean, what a none of this is by accident. But anyway, yeah, I, you, I digress. You think that that just uh, you know people getting up in the morning, seeing the beauty of of nature, the way things work in the world, the, the miracles. I mean, obviously bad things happen, but there is also an evil force in this world. And you know, um, to be a scientist and to not believe in God, I think it has something to do with the background of the person before they became a scientist. And yeah. a lot of people go into science to try to prove or disprove the existence of God. And, uh, you know, sadly, a lot of them hold on to their initial ideologies and, uh, you know, refuse to look at the evidence um, in another light. Uh, Josh, we got about 10 minutes left in this segment. And when we come back we're from the ne- into the next segment, we're going to talk about the Podesta emails. But um, the, the uh, what you sent us earlier... The, the last one on the list, Ezekiel's antithesis. Yeah, yeah. So th- this kind of explains what Revelation nine is all about. What these strange locust things are. And and for for the the viewers who might not be familiar, uh, the the book of Revelation chapter nine tells us about the key to the bottomless pit. Uh, and that's that's it, it opens with the, this uh, imagery of a, a, an angel that has the key to the yeah. bottomless pit. Yeah, and he he the opens angel. the bottomless. Yes, yes, absolutely. And he, he opens the bottomless pit, and then these, these locust creatures come out. Um, now, what's interesting is is when you look at the, the Greek, and the book of Revelation was written in Greek, but you, you look at the Greek, uh, that word key could actually mean, uh, it's like a type of permission is given. Uh, I mean, this is like a, it, it's a judgment from God, is what it is. So it might it might not have to be like a literal key, like we would we would think, but it's like a type of permission. And then back in Revelation uh, one, uh, chapter one or two, it actually says that Jesus is the one that has the keys to death and hell. So he's the one that's giving the permission. So this is a judgment based on something that uh, humanity has done, and we get a clue as to what that is because later on. It says that uh, after these locusts come and they they attack people and uh, you know all the all these horrible things are happening. It says and yet they repented not from their sorceries. And when you look at the word sorceries, it comes from the word pharmakia, which can mean uh, it, it can mean using like drugs to try to 
expand your mind and look, you know, have mm-hmm. some sort of communication with spirits or so. It can mean that, but basically, what what it really is that its foundation is it's it's opening doorways into the spirit world or into higher dimensions uh, for the purpose of a type of communication. That's exactly what happened at the Tower of Babel. They were trying to uh, petition the these these false gods to... Uh, actually, the Book of Jasher even gives way more detail on what they were really trying to do. They were trying to enter heaven, kill God, and put up their own idols in, in, the, in the throne room of God. Um, so, I mean, they that that's... But here at CERN, they're they're wanting to open a portal and talk with extra dimensional entities. So it's the same thing. It's it's that that sorcery. That's what the Bible refers to as sorcery. So that kind of gives us a clue that it might have something to do with some of the things that they're uh, doing at CERN. So the way that this um, applies with the Book of Ezekiel and in. in uh, and the book of Revelation gives, gives us a lot of uh, physical detail about these locust things. Um, so if we go to the book of Ezekiel in, in the Old Testament, uh, the very first chapter he has this amazing vision. Um, and there's actually a lot of quantum physics in this vision that there's no way... I, I, I've said this before on, on shows and stuff, but there's no way someone's going to convince me that 2,600 years ago some ancient ancient Israelite like knew enough about or or well he was in Babylon at the time but uh he he knew he knew enough about uh quantum physics to be able to make this thing up you know he he explained what he saw in such a way that we're only now in quantum physics being able to understand uh but he he basically sees these cherubim these angels holding up the throne of God and these angels have really weird qualities about them because they're melded together in different ways yeah um and <laughs> Yeah, and, and and it makes no sense. Like, why would it why would it be that way? Until we start thinking about what's called extra dimensional unfolding in physics. Uh, so basic, and that's just a big fancy term for something that's not. It, it it doesn't have to be as complicated as what they try to make it out to be. Uh, but we can go back to the idea of the cube on Flatland. You know, a, a, a thought exercise. If I want to show more of the cube to a Flatlander than just a single square, I could actually unfold the cube. A cube is made up of six squares, so I could unfold the cube and lay it flat across Flatland, which actually, uh, it, it turns out to be the shape of a cross, but um, it would be a two-dimensional like type of cross if I unfold the cube. So now, the Flatlander has the most information possible about this cube. Uh, he can see all the squares that it's made out of. Now, he can't put together in his head what it would look like, but he at least has the most information possible. So imagine if um, if a hypercube, which is a cube of four dimensions, uh, if it were unfolded into our dimension, our three dimensions, so we could uh, so we could see it, what would that look like? Basically, you would have a three-dimensional cross, but with two extra arms, and it would be made of eight cubes. Uh, you, you have two more cubes because every time you go up one dimension, uh, you add two new directions. So you have eight cubes. Basically, it looks like a cross with, you know, four four arms on it, and that, that's that's called a tesseract. But now imagine if you want to unfold the tesseract and lay it flat over flatland. Well, now that you're doing this, you're going to have some of those squares take up the same space as other squares, and they're going to meld together. So the Flatlander is going to see this like type of melding thing. That's exactly what we're seeing in uh, in the book of Ezekiel with these melding angels. They're being unfolded in a way that Ezekiel can see them, but because they're higher dimensional, at least from the fifth dimension, maybe higher, um, because they're higher dimensional, 
they're, some of their body parts are taking up the same space as other body parts. And that's why in the book of Revelation, John, when he sees these angels, they're all separate because he's seeing them in heaven. He's seeing them in their natural habitat where they don't have to be unfolded into a lower dimension. Uh, so that's why he's seeing them separate like that. But anyway, um, so that, that's, that's phenomenal. But going back to Revelation, one of the descriptions of one of the cherubim, uh, that are, that's holding up this this throne of God uh, is that it, it it it's bisect his face is bisected on one side it's human on one side um, on one side it's a lion so it's it's a bisected face half lion half human well when we go back into uh, Revelation with all that information um, we actually see an antithesis here and basically that just means like evil opposite uh, but we see one of the descriptions of the locusts are that they have like hair like women, like a human top part of their head, but they have uh, the teeth of a lion, which is strange. So we actually have a bisected face, but instead of vertically, this time it's horizontally, and it's half man, half human. So it's a, it's it's an evil uh, duplicate uh, because we've talked about this before. The enemy doesn't have an original idea of his own, so he's got to take from God and twist it. But w what's also interesting is that it says that these locust things, they come up out of the abyss and they have a king over them who in the Hebrew is Abaddon and the Greek Apollyon. That word over them, it, when we read that, it seems like they just have a king, and the king is ruling them and everything. But that word in Greek, over, is, is uh, the Greek word epi, and it actually means physically over. They're carrying Abaddon just like the the, the good guys, just like the, 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 the cherubim of God are carrying God's throne. These evil things are carrying Abaddon uh, above them on on the throne. That that word epi is actually the same word that's used when uh that we referenced earlier when when Satan took Jesus to the the pinnacle. That same word over is used. So there's a whole lot of different parallels and everything. But uh, I think Ezekiel tells us who these locusts are. They're fallen cherubim, and um, everything about them is an antithesis. Uh, they they have more they have animal type of bodies instead of a humanoid uh, type of body like like what Ezekiel saw, and actually in ancient in the ancient uh, mid east uh, Middle Eastern region uh, like around Babylon and things, people had encounters with what they called Lamassu and Shadu, which are, are basically these locust things, but it's like a human type of head on top of an animal type of body, which again it's a direct antithesis of the 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 good guys the the godly cherubim who are who seem to be you know more animal type of heads and then human type of bodies so it's an antithesis it's it's really strange but yeah there's a lot of different threads to this to this whole thing but i think that that those beings that's what is going to be called forth uh from the types of things like that they're doing at CERN that's gonna, that's going to be what's going to attack the world uh and but still again back to that verse yet they repented not of their sorcery so they they keep doing it even after they unleash this horrible plague so that that tells you about you know the the type of people that are in charge of all this kind of stuff you, you know i might not understand much of what you just said but i do suspect this could be a bad day yeah for a lot of people yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, and the good thing is that if you have your your, your hope in Jesus Christ, uh, it, it says that these locusts they don't attack 
uh, people who have the seal of God on their foreheads. You know, uh, so Christians they they don't they don't attack Christians. They go after the non-Christian. They go after people uh, who who've rejected Christ. Because at this point there have been so many you know so many plagues and and different judgments that I mean you you just gotta be in willful ignorance to not accept that God exists. Right. So that that's who they're after. In other words, perhaps uh, you know a Barry Satoro or never mind. I'll leave it alone. We are speaking with Josh Peck. Uh, some of his books: Disclosure, Quantum Creation, Cherubim Chariots, as well as the latest book, Abaddon Ascending, co-authored with Tom Horn. When we come back. We're going to continue our conversation with Josh, as well as getting into the Podesta emails. And how it relates to all this. As well as extraterrestrials. Stay with us for our final segment. Report. We were having an off-air discussion. Um, wow, just wow, really. Um, that's my go-to word. I've been saying that a lot lately. Off-air discussion. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Can you repeat that? <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, folks. We're we're so blessed to have with us Josh Peck, and uh, his contact information is in the program descri- description, of course. His uh, He's with Skywatch TV, but his website is sharpeningreport.com, sharpeningreport.com. And you can follow him, uh, follow his work. It's tremendous work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, indeed. And, and it, Skywatch also, uh, he's yeah. part of Skywatch. Yep, yep. And, uh, they do some tremendous, uh, broadcasting interviews as well as, uh, their specialty, which is, uh, authoring very important, timely books. And uh, just before we bring Josh back, I just want to mention that, uh, you know, folks, we are in a large part a listener-supported show. We appreciate, thank you very much for all of your, your kind assistance. We are, as you can see, we're trying to grow. We're bringing people on. Uh, the video means we're trying to upgrade as we, as we provide the fake news, right? Oh, wait. No, that's not us. Um, <laughs> Although so we, that's, of course, what we're being accused of. You know, we're doing our best, and we're doing our best. Uh, so if you've got a business, for example, that you would like to uh, reach uh, new levels in terms of uh, your uh, your uh, customer penetration, uh, look us up. Look at the, Go to HagmanReport.com and, and check out the opportunities, advertising opportunities. And if you are someone who just would like to support the show, please do that as well. And if you just want to pray for us, we accept that prayer's gratefully as well and uh, we appreciate all of your support your prayers your kindness your kind words anything that we get in the mail or email we do read we don't have the opportunity to answer everyone but we we do see everything that that is sent to us uh, whether it's good or bad and uh, we do take your suggestions and recommendations to heart so if you if you have sent us mail uh, you know that we've read it and uh if you've made suggestions, we, we have uh, taken them to heart as well. And we just want to say thank you, especially this time of year. Thank you for being part of our extended family of listeners from John Robertson, from J.D., from uh, Eric, uh, Eric the Tech, 
and you can follow him at Real Tech Eric. And of course, from Joe, my son, my wife, Lady the Studio Dog, and lastly, me. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for everything you've done. We really appreciate you, each and every one of you. And for those people who do moderator chat, which we don't check because we're doing the show, thank you for your effort yeah. and your kindness. It's, so, a, it's a family in the chat room, yeah. and yeah. Uh, people use it properly. The fellowship is the number one goal, and um, we obviously thank the Lord for um, blessing us with, with the platforming and allowing us the responsibility to, to be here, and, and that goes for all the people who are uh, part of the Hagman and Hagman Report, whether a listener, uh, somebody who prays for us, who engages in the chat, uh, or any other function you serve uh, with the Hagman and Hagman Report. We cannot thank you enough. This is not possible without you. And with people, uh, great guests like Josh Peck. Um, Josh has been a, a friend of the show. We had the opportunity to meet him again, as we said, in November of 2014 in Columbus, Ohio or Dublin, uh, right outside of Columbus, and that was such a treat. See, and we met him, I, I have to say this, he was talking like this to, to me for 15 minutes before I before I really comprehended that he was actually speaking English and not some foreign language. No, I'm kidding. It, no, he, <laughs> he, um, very, very intelligent, but, but he's got the uncanny ability to make the uh, very difficult uh, mm-hmm. uh, subjects kind of, kind of easy to understand. And, okay, so Enough of that. We got to talk about. We eventually, the, you you can't go away until you until we talk about the Podesta references. But but go ahead, Joe, and uh, take us. Well, uh, I guess let, let's start with the uh, the talk uh, or the hinting of extraterrestrials uh, in the Podesta emails. And if we have time afterwards, I just have a few closing questions. Um, but let's get into the Podesta, the Podesta emails. Uh, a lot of the focus of the Podesta emails has been on the. Clinton campaign corruption, the Clinton Foundation corruption, and the Pizzagate spirit cooking uh, controversy. But you said that there is another angle, uh, more uh, information that's been uncovered and overlooked with the emails. <laughs> Isn't it looks that like interesting? It looks like he's looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, 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 Josh, if you can hear us, you're frozen. Okay. Oh no! There okay, we go. There we there go. We go. Yeah. Can you, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Isn't, you can hear me and see me. There we go. Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the um, yeah, there, there's more information coming out almost uh, almost daily now uh, on this other area of the Potesta emails that's not as 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 much covered. Um, but for, for those who, who this is brand new and if they're not familiar, uh, John Podesta, who's the former chairman of Hillary Clinton's uh, presidential campaign, he's chief to staff to uh, Bill Clinton and counselor to Barack Obama. Uh, but in in his emails that that you know were leaked from the the WikiLeaks thing, um, some of those emails actually show that he was in contact with uh, Edgar Mitchell, who is. Uh, he was an Apollo 14 astronaut. He was actually the sixth man on the moon. Uh, he's passed away now, but uh, he was in um, he was in contact with uh, Podesta pretty frequently, and they were pushing for um, meetings concerning official disclosure. That's what John Podesta was all about. Uh, he he actually even tweeted that uh, after the when the president uh, Barack Obama's presidential uh, campaign was or you know presidency was coming to a close. Uh, 
John Podesta tweeted out that his biggest failure was he couldn't get uh, the Obama administration to uh, go go along with uh, official disclosure about uh, aliens, basically. Uh, so in these emails, it's really strange because usually when we think about what official disclosure would mean, we kind of expect uh, the president to get up and you know in front of everybody and say we know that aliens exist, you know UFOs are real, you know uh, we know that there's life on another planet, and then maybe we've even been in contact with them or something to that effect. Uh, but what's what's really odd is in these in these emails. Well, for one thing, not only was John Podesta and uh, Edgar Mitchell uh, trying to meet, but also with they, they, there were there were talks about meeting with the Pope about this same thing with 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 Pope Francis about official disclosure. Who uh, apparently Pope Francis was on board with this this idea. Um, but when they talk about the actual beings, the actual. Uh, aliens themselves. They refer in these emails, John Podesta and Edgar Mitchell and anybody else involved, they refer to them as extraterrestrial intelligences or ETIs. And uh, they always refer to them as nonviolent, which is strange. Like if, if they're already familiar with them, why do they have to keep reaffirming some of this stuff? Because they, they say that they're they're nonviolent, that they're actually from and this is their words, a contiguous universe which basically means not our universe, not another planet, but a higher dimension or a, a parallel reality. You know, so, uh, they're talking about extra-dimensional entities, basically. Um, but that also these these beings, these ETIs, uh, they want to give mankind zero-point energy, which is which is strange. That that showed up that phrase that keyword. You can actually go to WikiLeaks.org and just put in zero point energy, and you can see all the e all the Podesta emails that talk about this. And, and and for those not familiar, basically zero point energy goes back to quantum field theory, like what we were talking about before. That these fields uh, are full of energy. Uh, I mean, everything is energy essentially, and that energy has to come from somewhere. So the idea of harnessing it is what they refer to as zero point energy or vacuum energy. That it, it's basically taking energy from its source, which would be extra dimensional. It would actually be God, uh, you know, because we read in Hebrews that God spoke everything into existence. But uh, so it would, it's basically trying to steal energy from from God. Um, now, whether that's okay or not goes into all sorts of different areas, but these these beings are interested apparently in giving mankind this, but they have certain contingencies. Uh, they don't want us. Uh, they don't want humanity um, engaging in warfare in space, like with satellites and things like that, like nu nuclear satellites and right, stuff. Right. They don't. They they're like completely against that. They're they're completely against any harm. Uh, coming to the Earth itself, they don't care about the people, but the Earth itself. They're they're really interested in keeping the Earth intact. And what's strange is, again, going back to Revelation nine, one of the one of the weird qualities about these locust beings, these extra dimensional beings that come out of the abyss, it says that they don't they don't hurt the the Earth or any green thing on the Earth. They're they're not like locusts that. Um, you know that 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 like eat crops and and stuff like that. They don't harm the earth at, earth at all. There's something in them uh, that it, it actually says that they're commanded not to. So there, I mean, there's something in them where, for wh whatever reason, they don't want 
harm to come to the earth, you know, probably so they can use it for their own uh, purposes if they, because they think that they're going to win this big spiritual war against God and, you know, they want a place to, to inhabit after that and so they, they, they'd want to be here. Um, but so that, that parallel was strange that the, these things are, are way more concerned with the state of the earth itself than the people living on it. You know, if they cared so much about humans, yeah. why? Yeah. And a <laughs> what, quick but, note on that is. Yeah. This, uh, as crazy as this may sound, this had huge implications into the Department of Defense weaponization of space policies. Yeah. They didn't directly state that as the goal, but if you go into other, uh, papers and, and, and what you're talking about and, and some of what the elite talk about, there is a huge concern about weaponizing space, uh, due to outside forces interfering. And we've heard stories that missiles have been deactivated. Uh, you know, space, space launches have been sabotaged, but nobody can figure out why. And they attribute this to whatever that energy is. And, uh, I would ask, you know, we heard a lot about the, the real force that, uh, Hitler and, and Germany got tapped into. It, it, could this be the same? Yes. Yeah. I think it's the same thing, just a different name. Yeah. But it's, it's essentially the same thing that, that all around us in all points of space, there's some type of energy or some type of force that if we could tap into, we would have unlimited, uh, power essentially. You know, you could, you could light the whole world and, uh, nobody would have to pay anything. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's really strange. And of course, on the surface, we would think, well, uh, maybe a technology like that wouldn't be so bad. And, and, yeah, I could see that, but look, look, look at who would be in control of that, though. You know, I mean, it's not going to be if 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 these beings, you know, show us how zero point energy works. I I really would doubt that the governments of the world are just going to be like, okay, free energy for everybody. Let's shut down yeah. all the electric companies. And I mean, there there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of moving parts to this whole thing where uh, you know, power companies and electric companies. Uh, a gas company. I mean, there, there, can you imagine? There would be no more oil trade. There, there would be no right. more need for it. Uh, there's people on Earth that are not going to be happy with that. Uh, that, that alone could uh, start World War Three. So, um, so there, there's, there's a lot of different, different ways of, of thinking about it. So, something else that kept coming up uh, in these emails. You can tell by reading the emails that they have talked about this a lot. Like they know who they're talking about. They know what these beings are, they're familiar with them. But in every email, there's certain uh, affirmations that they keep saying over and over again, like they have to keep reaffirming it to themselves. One of them is that they're nonviolent. Uh, they're, they're always described as nonviolent ETIs. Like if I'm talking about a friend of mine, like if I'm talking about Tom Horn or something to you guys, I'm not going to be like, yeah, so my co-author, the nonviolent <laughs> Tom Horn, because he's nonviolent, you know, it, it's, it, it would be weird, like, <laughs> We already know that. <laughs> so they, they, they keep reaffirming that, but they also keep reaffirming that these things are obedient to God, which is strange. Like, why even bring something like that up? But it keeps, it, it's reaffirmed over and over and over again. Like, I, like, some of the dialogue is, is our, our nonviolent ETI friends who, as we know, are in complete obedience with God. Well, no, they're not. <laughs> you know, I mean, not, God? not, not, not the God of the Bible. Exactly. Who's, Who's God? Uh, so, and, and that, that brings up a, uh, an important distinction too. I think when they're talking about God in those emails, they're actually talking about Abaddon, which, you know, book, the title of the book, Abaddon Ascending. I think that's the God. They're obedient to their king. You know, Revelation 9 tells us that they have a king over them, Abaddon in, mm -hmm. in Hebrew or Apollyon in Greek. We would think of it as Apollo. Um, but 
that's the God that they're obedient to, and they keep reaffirming that over and over again in these emails. So people can go to WikiLeaks.org and just put in some of these keywords like ETIs or zero-point energy or contiguous universe uh, and be able to find find this stuff. But, yeah, apparently the Pope's involved in this, in this push towards official disclosure. That's actually why Hillary Clinton, during her campaign, she made that that really weird remark that kind of like took everyone by surprise where she said that if she gets elected, uh, she'll do everything she can to find out, you know, what UFOs are and, and release it to everybody. She did that because Podesta was there telling her to. Uh, and we and, saw that with Bill Clinton. Oh, we yeah, saw that with yeah. President Obama. They all claimed that they would uh, share the secrets of of the universe. And wait, 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 wait. To what end? I mean, okay, to bring in the to to, to bring in. Uh, a system of control, a one-world government laying the way for the Antichrist or their god to be uh, the dictator of the global government. Yeah, and it keeps getting brought up, I believe, because we're we're in we're in right now what could be called uh, soft disclosure. And I actually got that term from my good friend Tim Alberino. You guys know him, uh, but uh, he he and I were talking about this one day and. Uh, he believes as I do, and and so does Tom, and I think just about everybody that that we're 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 the human race is kind of in this uh, this state of soft disclosure. We're slowly, slowly uh, they they keep introducing new things. Like now there's water on Mars. Now there's a microorganism on Mars, and then uh, every like you said, every new president. Uh, or, or somebody who's hoping to be president will say something, usually will say something about aliens. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll be the one that'll tell you what's going on. And they never do. But I do believe that there's going to come a day that they will. But I don't think that, I don't think that they're going to present themselves, the, these beings, in the way that we might think. You know, the classic, the classic idea is that either a UFO is going to come down or, so, or like a president or somebody is going to say, we know that there's aliens on another planet. I don't think it's going to be on another planet anymore. I think they are actually going to say that we know extra dimensional beings exist and and here's why back in the um back in the 50s 60s when uh alien abduction phenomenon were getting really popular and like first starting really um i mean you know of course some would say it's going it's been going on for thousands of years but at least at least back in the modern eye when it was uh, getting really popular um when an abductee would ask an alien entity uh, just for lack of better words, uh, where are you from? They would say the moon or Mars or Venus or even Mercury. Because at that time, we had no way to vet that story, you know. But now, it wasn't long after that, we were able to actually uh, see these planets, send, send probes and things to these planets, and realize that, especially Venus or Mercury, there is no way that, that you can't build a spaceship or have any kind of life on a planet like Mercury. You know, everything would melt immediately. So there's no way. So around that same time, uh, abductees, when they would ask, uh, where are you from? Now they started telling people that they're from Zeta Reticuli or Arcturus or the Pleiades or, you know, all these far off places that, once again, we have no way to vet it. Well, then humanity started developing technology where now we can, uh, we can detect and measure the properties of exoplanets, uh, which are planets that are just way out forever, like way out in space, far beyond the reaches of our solar system. 
Well, once that started getting popular, all of a sudden they're changing their story again. And now a lot of abductees are reporting. And I mean, even, even certain like, uh, government officials and things that, you know, whistleblowers and stuff. Now, now they're starting, these beings are starting to say that they're actually from a higher dimension or an extra dimension or parallel dimension or a contiguous universe, uh, like what the Podesta email says. Um, so they're putting this idea that, uh, that they're actually from this higher dimension, which, of course, now we really have no way to vet that story, right? So when these things actually do present themselves, when they're when they're here with us, I think that that's going to be what they say. I think that they're going to say that they actually originate from a higher dimension. Uh, perhaps they have physical bases on planets and moons throughout the universe, but that they actually uh, originate. Because these, these emails even say, that these things had evolved to that state somehow, and they're beyond war. They're beyond a lot of like, uh, y- you know, stuff that we as human garbage are are dealing with from day to day. They're they're beyond all that. So we we have to become enlightened and evolve to their level, and they want to help us do that. But yeah, so I don't think it's going to be that we know aliens exist on other planets or, or are from other planets. I think it's going to be uh, we know that there are beings in these higher dimensions. And I think CERN with this gravitational communication system is going to be one way that that information might might come out. And and what you just explained, um, you know, continuing to change the uh places of origin these abductees say uh yeah. that you know these other forces are from and you know we have like the white hat or white dragon society that talks about these intergalactic battles and how you know these uh, entities are here to help the human race but one thing that uh, I think people need to understand and it's very important and it is something so simple that the Bible talks about and it talks about how there will be a uh, there was the Messiah he came died for our sins rose again was resurrected and he says when he returns it will be as though lightning from the east to the west in the blink of an eye we will all know uh from project blue beam and and other projects there is going to be a false um they're going to try to fake the return of of our lord and savior and it'll be something that we see and and experience with all of our senses but it, the one and only way we will know that it is not Jesus is because we are not transformed in the blink of an eye. So anytime you see something or hear voices or see pro- projections in the sky of somebody claiming to be the Messiah, we can instantly know that's not the case. And uh, I think that th- that's where all this is headed. Yeah, I believe so too. And even that that idea of Jesus being like an alien savior type of thing or something or an extra dimensional like that that idea has been uh popularized even in Hollywood and and actually the original script of the movie Prometheus uh had that aspect included because there was a big question for people who have seen the movie why is this big giant nephilim type of thing you know why is it so mad and trying to kill all these people uh when they when they woke it up well in the original script the answer was because long ago they had sent one of their representatives, Jesus Christ, and they killed him. You know, humans killed him. And that, that idea is nothing new. I mean, that's been, that, that idea has been promoted by like ancient astronaut theorists and I mean, there's just this whole Jesus is an alien thing. Um, so I think that they're going to try to bring that up. And actually, I don't know anything about it except that the, the new 
movie, the the the, the second part to, to Prometheus is actually going to be called Covenant. So who they might revisit that idea in that movie, but. Uh, yeah, I mean th- this this idea has been popularized throughout Hollywood, and it's been it's been put in the the, the public mind uh, for years now. So when it actually does happen, it'll be easier for people to accept that. Well, it makes more sense that Jesus would be an alien than you, you know the savior of man and the cross, and you, you know I mean it, it says in the Bible that. Uh, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. So people who don't accept Jesus, who who aren't saved, the the actual idea of salvation just seems foolish. And you know we see that uh, when we try to witness to certain atheists and uh, certain people who just don't want to accept it, they they think it's foolish. I think that that's what we're headed towards in 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 the final days. And when disclosure does happen, I think that that is going to be a key aspect of it. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. And you know, um with just a few minutes left in this interview, um if we can go back to CERN just real quick and then uh we'll we'll close it out. Um we had a guest on who talked about this big black square as being some kind of power source inside CERN and it being referred to as an altar. Um with kind of with a heartbeat. Have you heard about this? I'm not as familiar with that. I know. Uh, I think Anthony Patch has done a yes. lot of research into that area. He 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 would he he would know more about it than I do. Uh, okay. Just he, he and I he and I have different you know areas of uh, interest. So I, I so I'm not. Okay. Interesting how things are frozen up uh, during this. This period, Josh, you're, you're you're freezing up again. Um, and what well, and what a fantastic interview, yeah, um, indeed. Uh, we've covered so much ground. We could do another three hour show with Josh right now, just uh, expanding on a number of topics that we only brushed upon. And the main theme I think we need to understand about this is it's not a battle of of evil scientists. And, uh, you know, rogue alien forces, it all boils down to the same thing. The battle between good and evil. The powers of, of, uh, spirituality that are both dark and, and the power of God and, and, uh, and his angels. Uh, there we go. We got you back, Josh. Hey, sorry. I don't know what's going on. This never happens. I, I do a lot of interviews like this and I just never really have these problems. Uh, sorry about that. It's, uh, quantum communication errors. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be got to be somebody doesn't like what we're talking about <laughs> well we only have about two minutes left josh uh talk uh, just briefly uh ex- explain a little bit about your new book and anything you got going on here in the near future absolutely so the book is called abaddon ascending and if people are interested in getting it they should head over to skywatchtv.com because uh, right now there's a very limited time special promotion where you buy the book at, at normal price and you get two other major books by, by uh, Dr. Michael Lake and then another one by uh, Larry Spargamino and uh, Tom Horn and Donna Howell. Uh, so The Sherry Imperative and Final Fire. But you also get $400 worth of uh, other research materials. This is DVDs and CDs and other books and uh, Into the Multiverse is included in that. Also, The Coming Technocalypse uh, featuring yours, yours truly and uh, Doug and Joe Hagman. So if people yes. are going to buy... 
Yeah, and if people are going to buy the book anyway, they may as well go to skywatchtv.com and get a, a whole bunch of free stuff with it. But I would say do it now because uh, I know they're running out. It, it, it's not going to be available forever. Uh, now would be the time to do it. Uh, but, yeah, and then just in the future, we're still uh, we're making Into the Multiverse programs. We have some really exciting stuff. If people want to subscribe to me on YouTube, I have uh, uh, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Josh Peck Disclosure. That's Sharpening Report and all that stuff. And also youtube.com slash Into the Multiverse if they want to get into the multiverse. So, uh, yeah, guys, please subscribe and uh, come come and, uh, come and join us, Into the Multiverse. Sounds great. We really appreciate you you're, you're being a part of our program tonight, and thank you so much for being uh, on video. Uh, it's a treat for our audience to see you. And for those listening via Global Star or BTR, Come on over to YouTube and uh, on the archive and watch Josh Peck. My friend, God bless you. You've uh, taken us to the end of the program. We really appreciate your insight, your uh, expertise. Into the end of our sanity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow. It's uh, it, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, and it's interesting because we hear about this in, in the Podesta emails, it kind, of, it kind of brings it back to reality. You hear about the uh, potential disclosure. We know that there's a deception involved in that. We're kind of dissecting the deception before it occurs and you're you're a big part of it so it's keeping well, us out th- of trouble thank you i really appreciate it it's it's always good coming and uh talking to you guys again and uh but yeah thank you for having me on this has been a big blessing for me uh always is appreciate you guys and love you guys all right well brother. we love you too and uh next time you and tom should come on oh, to yeah. uh you know lay out your 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 new book yeah. Oh, we got some cool stuff coming up. <laughs> well, you tell your wife we said hello, and uh, you stay uh, keeping up the good work, and we will talk soon. Thank you. You guys, too. Have a good right. night, and thank you. Good night, Josh. And again, uh, folks, Josh uh, yeah, Josh Beck. And, and, and again, thank you so much, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to us, and if, thank you so much for your belief and your trust in us, and thanks for your support, your prayers, your kindness, your kind words. Uh, do subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's interesting how many, uh, I mean, uh, I think a hundred and some countries and 67 million downloads. Um, you know that they're messing with the numbers. So to raise our, help us raise our visibility, certainly subscribe. And also our guest tonight, Josh Peck, uh, follow him, subscribe and uh, visit his website. Good night. 